Welcome to the Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name is Jeremy. My name's Adam. My name's Scott. What? How? What? Who? <laughs> how did how did Scott break in on our transmission? And and who is Scott? I just assumed you were doing an impression. It was this probably your best impression yet. My be- uh, of who? Of some guy named Scott. <laughs> of me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah there yeah. it goes again. Yeah. Well, I've been working on it. You know. You know. I... Your other better personalities. <laughs> Figure this whole IT thing doesn't go out like voice impressions of people you've never heard of uh, might go somewhere. <laughs> Scott is uh, our our uh, childhood friend from back in the North Country of Canton, New York, uh, and Scott actually. For some reason, somebody's got to help me out with this. Uh, we talked about doing a New Mutants review, which, by the way, is what we're doing here, the New Mutants movie, uh, just in time for it to be on video for like a month and a half now. But, you know, better late than never. Uh, Adam, you were like, we got to get Scott on this. And I was like, all right, that's cool. Uh, but I didn't really ask why. Yeah, so what what happened is like Scott and I, uh, we chat we on this, you know, the texting thing on the iPhone and whatnot. And we were, you know, talking about movies and every couple of months, Scott would say, ah, oh, that New Mutants movie, it looks so good. I can't wait till it comes out. I'm looking forward to that one. And then a couple months would go by. Ah, oh, the New Mutants movie got moved back. But boy, it sure still looks good. So after like, you know, a couple of years of this happening, <laughs> how long has this movie been in the making? A, a long I, time. Uh, I said, well, Scott's got to get on this thing with us. He clearly is the most hyped person I know for uh, New Mutants. And uh, so, so introduce yourself, Scott. Besides the fact that you're Scott, we know that already. Right. T- yeah. Tell us some interesting facts about you. Um, that's a true story. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, were, were you, how hyped were you for this movie? I was pretty excited. I don't know why the, the trailers look pretty cool. You know, look like they're doing something different with it. Um, and then I had read the new mutants comics, like, you know, as a kid, uh, years and years ago, um, your brother you know, had them all older, right. Older brother, who you guys will know as Sean had a big run of them, you know, the, the Claremont issues and, uh, or Claremont issues. So, uh, so I had read those, so, you know, I thought, oh, that's kind of cool, you know, um, you know, it looked neat. I don't know why I was excited to see it, you know? <laughs> so that, uh, I figured that that must be the case. Now, when I knew you back in the day, like, we all knew your brother had, uh, boxes of comics. Um, the rest of the brothers didn't seem to have comics, so maybe they, I don't know, did you all just go up to Sean's room and, and read his comic books to keep current on that stuff? Somebody was into Green Lantern. Wasn't Drew into Green Lantern? He was into some DC characters. Is that what it was? Like I don't Blue know. Beetle yeah. and uh, Booster Gold. That was yeah. And then he had those Justice Leagues, the big run of Justice Leagues, so that had those two guys in it. So, so um, what did you collect, Scott? Did you collect comics? I think I thought you just collected yeah. like computer games. Now, let me preface this by saying, like you know, I was the younger brother, you know, so. <laughs> So I collected He-Man and Transformers, you know? <laughs> well, I mean, so did Adam and I. There you go, yeah. So um, when they, uh, and then, and Sean just had it, he collected New Mutants for whatever reason, and he just had like a run of them. And then at some point, I just sat down and read them. Like, I remember just some Saturday afternoon, just like reading, you know, a big pile of them. And that's kind of what we would do sometimes, you know? Mm-hmm. So. That's interesting because Adam and I have been covering uh, on the X-Men podcast, we've been covering all the various other mutant titles in kind of the backup uh, portions of the episodes and up until well i don't know about you adam but most of new mutants i thought uh not much of <laughs> some <laughs> there's some pieces that like we talked about some of the brett blevin stuff which is like i don't know 50s or 60s where it gets a little darker uh, i thought that stuff was fun but i thought the early stuff and the stuff before cable and all that 
uh, not a fan. I am mixed on it. I like I, I liked a lot of the earlier stuff just because I liked the introduction of the characters. I liked getting to know how the uh, actually uh, kind of intertwined with the X-Men. Uh, there is a point, much like X-Factor, where it starts to drag and you're like, this is this needs this needs to pick up. This needs a shot. Yeah. Um, so, again, you know, I was the younger brother. You know, <laughs> um, the part I remember liking was Warlock. Like, that's what I remember really liking. I was sure. like, He's so funny. He turns into anything. That's crazy. You know, it's that's pretty much what I remember. I don't really remember a lot of the characters. Uh, although I remember all the ones that are in the film. So I do remember the core characters, mm-hmm. you know. Um, Let me ask but, you, if, uh, do you do you remember a Warlock moment that struck Jeremy and I uh quite a lot where he uh after doug doug ramsey dies uh he he starts carrying around doug ramsey's body and like propping him up as though he's still alive do you remember that no that was creepy that was, that was creepy. <laughs> <laughs> you know spoilers getting a little ahead of myself uh no warlock in this movie right yeah but we'll talk about that uh, as we get into the movie <laughs> side um, what about other X-Men comics or X-Men movies? Like what's your interest or kind of, uh, um, involvement with, with those stories, uh, or other media franchises? Right, right. So, um, but you're not that much, you know, that, and I was actually thinking of that, uh, before coming on here that, um, I thought about going back cause I've now had a couple of months since Adam suggested I come on this podcast, you know, and I was like, well, maybe I'll go back and read some of those new mutants, you know? And I had a couple of years ago read the first graphic novel that launched them, you know, mm-hmm. uh, j- which is right. Just like I don't know if that's the first couple of issues or it was actually a standalone graphic novel, but it's just it a story a of Xavier recruiting them all. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the comics like uh, uh, when they were coming out with the those Marvel classics or whatever, the black and whites, you know, um, I read through a good oh, bit of sure. Paramount run of X-Men, you know, Um just X-Men, I don't know how far. Like I think up until Cable started showing up. Um, yeah. So. What, what were those black and white ones? The Essentials. Yeah, the Essentials. And the great thing about the Essentials was, in my opinion anyways, or my recollection, is they were coming out at a time where I don't, I mean, I, there were certainly color collections, but I don't think they were as voluminous as they are today. Uh, and they were cheap. Like you could pick up 25 issues of whatever comic for like i don't know 15 bucks maybe maybe even less downside was they were black and white and like on newspaper print but you know well then now they're coloring books yeah right and i used to read them just on the train and stuff like that's what i remember that was like my commute reading was like those essentials you know i read through a ton of them that way so now can you imagine in 2020 getting on a train and and Taking out of your backpack an essentials well, let's, let's, and starting let's say to say 2019. Read it. All right, fine. 2019. Fair enough. Social distancing and whatnot. Uh, or, or uh, would you just pull out your iPad and and read it on that? You know, I'm torn because. Do you um, want to bring your iPad on the subway? Depends on depends on your neighborhood, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, just on that note in general, though, like you know, I, I want to say like two years ago or something. Like I had to just like box up all the i mostly have graphic novels mm-hmm. so i stopped having actual comics just like graphic novels and stuff you know because they they keep longer right so mm-hmm. you know they're on the better paper and stuff but um you know i just have like, like boxes of them and they're just like upstairs deep in the closet somewhere you know and that's where i had to stick them all because i couldn't keep them out there's like too many you know and um yeah and so like when that happened i was like well i should really start reading things on the ipad you know so 
I kind of read some stuff, and I want to say I think this new mutant that I'm talking about, the that one uh, the graphic novel, I think I got that on Kindle or whatever and read it. Mm-hmm. But I don't really like it in the end. I, I actually prefer just reading it on the um, paper because the iPad is just too much light. It's too much to look at. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. a it's a trade off, right? There's it's it's immensely convenient to just read it on your iPad, right? Because it's so light and you can have as much content as you want there. I think you're right on the kind of the eye strain, the brightness, um, kind of yeah, gets at you it's after a while. On my old man eyes to read print. <laughs> my God, my old man eyes are terrible. But not only that, <laughs> like <laughs> the um, the iPad screen, it's it's not it's not the size of a of a page of paper, so you're, you you know, got to shrink it down a little bit. Uh, I would also agree that I would prefer to read like the book, but whenever I grab one of those heavy graphic novels out, I'm like, Oh, this hurts my hand and can't keep it (laughs) open. And I don't want to bend the spine. At some point. Yeah. Those hardcover collections just become like, look, they look nice on your shelf and that's all they are. (laughs) I have so many things in my house that look nice on my shelf. (laughs) That, I like the smaller ones that they've been releasing where they're they're about the size of like the uh just the yellow pages. Uh there's like the epic collection. We read a couple right. of we read from a couple of those. When you say the yellow pages, do you mean like the yellow pages phone book? Yeah. Are you talking about the yellow pages from like when we were a kid that were like five hundred pages big? They re- they they used to release the white pages and the yellow pages, but then they would have a separate smaller one which was just the yellow pages. Oh, Wow, that's well, uh, lost the kids with that one. I know you're really showing your age. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, nobody knows what we're talking about right now. The funny thing I is, do, though, I, I do know what you're talking about, but yeah, <laughs> we we still get we don't get a white page anymore. Nobody gets. I don't think anybody gets a white page, but we still get a yellow page, like a business page, yeah. and it's the thing that you you pick up off your doorstep and you immediately just put in the recycling bin. Yep. <laughs> and you're like, why are people, number one, why are people advertising in this thing? Number two, why are people wasting time and resources printing this thing out? It's it's Because not everybody is on the internet. It, you know, you, you still have people. You should be able to sign a, like a, something that says, I don't need this, stop delivering it to me. I yeah because it feels so wasteful like oh, I'm gonna take this yeah. thing that went through a huge supply chain to get to my door and I'm just going to throw it in the garbage. At just, least you're recycling it. Seems well, just true. Yeah, I used to keep them because um you know like because I have a house. It's just like the number of different dumb services you need for your house is completely endless, you know, and you, and you never know who to call for all this stuff, you know. But uh, yeah, then eventually it dawned on me that I'm like. Well, the names in here, it's like they paid to have their name in there, you know? Mm-hmm. So that means they're probably the bad people that you don't want doing work in your house. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know? <laughs> I, uh, I, can, I, I used the yellow pages probably a lot when I was a kid, but as an adult, I used them once. We were uh, cleaning up a house. So I lived with two other guys, a uh, roommate situation in my early 20s. Heck, I might have even been 19 at the time. And as we were getting ready to move, you know, part of the stipulation for getting your uh, deposit, your security deposit back was having the carpets professionally cleaned. So I opened up the yellow pages and I found the biggest advertisement I could find. I called them up and I said, here's my address. I need you to professionally clean my carpet. And they're like, "Okay, we'll do that. And uh, I kind of stuck around uh, to watch them come in. The guy pulls up in like a crappy old car, pulls out a rug doctor, comes into my house, vacuums it up. I'm like, well, whatever, like leave the receipt on the counter. You're a professional. And that was the kind of the contract stipulation. So I left. <laughs> I came back a little later because I was like, ooh, I forgot something and we're not quite checked out yet. I came in 
And the, whoever had just done like the absolute worst job, like <laughs> our, our carpets weren't like we were bachelors. We were smokers. We had cats. So, I mean, there was just like, you know, a year's worth of filth on the carpets. So they didn't vacuum beforehand. They just rug doctored like right over all of the cigarette <laughs> ash. Can. Like, so all of that cat fur and dust and all that stuff was just pushed up against the walls. And I was like, oh my God, it looks worse than when I called the person. But I was like, no, I'm covered because I have the receipt. I used a professional. I'm going to get my security deposit back. I didn't get my security deposit back. <laughs> They're like, we have to charge you to have your carpets professionally cleaned. And I called them and I was like, but I have a receipt. And they're like, yeah, but. And so then I called them and I was like, hey, I wanted to call them and say, like, you did a terrible job. I want my money back. But I, they didn't answer their phone. So I'm like, how did this, like, like their number, like, went to, like, a disconnected thing. So I don't know if they had, like, put this ad in here waited for August move out season, collected as many jobs as possible. And then just like closed up shop because Bro, you could not like get a hold. I know. And I was like, well, how is this? How? I don't know. So much effort had to go into, well, maybe not. Maybe it was super easy to get an advertisement in the yellow pages and I'm just overthinking it. That's funny. I figured I was probably just being paranoid with my comment about like people paying to be in there. And that's why you don't want to call them. But now I see I was right. I, yes. True, right? We have one <laughs> anecdote that proves all yellow pages advertisements are false. All, all this proves is that you want to stay away from the largest ads. <laughs> yeah, go for the small ones. <laughs> all righty. Um, cool, man. So the other piece of important information that the, the folks out there need is that uh, while Adam and I are sitting in our nice, cozy, warm houses doing this recording, uh, Scott is in his car talking on his iPhone. And why is that, Scott? So I don't wake up the kids, you know, the talking. Some people in your life has just have those voices that that kind of carry. Uh, my uncle is is very similar to you, Scott, in, in terms of just like excitement level and just that voice that 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 just no matter how softly you're trying to talk, you're still too loud. Uh, so I can sympathize, and and he could probably sympathize as well. But anyways, uh, you sound great. Oh, good. Right. <laughs> What's the temperature? I think it's 24. That's what Apple told me. So, <laughs> doing all right, you know. It's 24 Fahrenheit, not not Celsius. <laughs> We're gonna check in with you for the regular regular temperature updates, just to make sure you're not you're still in there. Now, before we right. started recording, we we did confirm that that Scott was wearing warm clothes. But Scott, do you have like a hat and mittens? I do have a hat. Oh, okay, yeah. no mittens. Yeah. It's gonna get rough on those fingers after a while. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's pivot here a little bit. Let's talk about. Um, uh, I think you teed it up, Adam, already with with why Scott uh, was invited and 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 kind of why we're doing it in this uh, three way style, if you will. When I guess question to the group, like when did you first become aware of uh, a Marvel Cinem Fox Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, New Mutants movie, and what did you think? I don't I I don't know. I can't even remember. Um uh, well I remember cuz Adam just told me it was like several years ago and I was totally amped, you know. I was like really excited. <laughs> when was the film announced versus when it was when like what what is the timeline of the film? When was it announced? When did we uh I'm I'm vamping so that you can start looking this up in Google. Uh when did we get our first trailer and then how long before the trailer was it supposed to happen? And then COVID happened. And then what happened after that? It finally was released in November. 
October. Yeah, and there's a whole story about that that we can talk about in a little bit. Was I don't think COVID was the reason it was delayed, though, right? Like, it had already been delayed several, several years. Well, I think the very last delay was because of COVID. I, all movies got delayed. Right, yeah. So its original theatrical schedule, apparently, was April 2018. Okay, so that was a couple of years ago. And let's see here. The staff, or sorry, the staff, the crew... And cast were rumored uh, in March of 2016. And let's see. They filmed from July to September 2017. Or from July to September 2017. So Game of Thrones is still going. Mm-hmm. So the trailer must have come out like a little before the you know release date, right? It would have come out like the fall before if it was going to be a summer movie. Or I guess it was a spring movie. So maybe even the winter before that. The the movie pitch was in 2015, May of 20 or May 2015. So yeah, this thing's been in some, I don't know if I would call it development hell, probably more call it like release hell. So I was at a movie theater. So it was a while ago. Um, I don't remember what movie I had seen, so I don't can't really place it in like a month and a year, but I saw this really neat teaser about kids in a school with horrific things looking or horrific things happening. It looked uh, uh, stylish and it also kind of looked a little low budget, but not like in a bad way. It just looked like somebody was being like uh, really frugal or, or, or really good with, with their budget. Uh, and then at the end it said new mutants coming, whatever. I was like, Oh neat. That looks super cool. And I don't remember if I brought that up to you or not, Adam, it was a teaser. There was like very little um, stuff being shown i don't even know if the the main cast was being shown just just kind of like hallways of uh of this school and, and maybe some students uh well what i assumed would be students because it's called the new mutants so i kind of assumed that it would be at like a, a mansion of some sort but so yes and you definitely brought it up we definitely discussed it i don't know for how long but <laughs> yeah because I, I saw it at the same time or you asked me to see it or whatever um and we definitely like shot the she is about it <laughs> yes uh, i liked that trailer a lot and i was like well i've got uh, i i've got high hopes no, i shouldn't say i have high hopes for this movie uh based on that teaser i was like this movie's not gonna suck because uh, that was a really good teaser uh fast forward and t- to the kind of like when they finally said like we are actually going to release this movie so it's in covid times it's going to go to the theaters which i guess there was a a contractual obligation that before that that when Fox sold their stuff to Disney, they couldn't just dump it onto Disney Plus. They had to do theatrical releases, and then they had to wait whatever contractual amount of time before doing home video releases, including releases to online services, which is why it got a theatrical release. Now, I, I, I can't imagine too many people went to go see this movie, but... Right before that, they I saw a trailer either on TV or I don't remember where I saw it. And I was like, ooh, looks like they dumbed it down a little bit. And I was a lot less impressed. So I don't know if either of you saw the trailer, kind of like the most recent trailer. I don't think I did see the follow-up trailer, just the teaser that you were talking about before where it looks like a horror film. Yeah. To me, the uh, trailer, I don't know if somebody like panicked and like, oh my God, this is too hardcore horror movie everybody's going to be expecting like the conjuring. We better back this bus <laughs> up and, and kind of teenify it uh, and, and put some like funny campy movements with, Oh, some scares here and there. So that was my impression. Yeah. You know, I remember that, that teaser 
and that's was exactly why I was excited to see it. And pretty much for the same reasons you outlined, like it looked really cool. And I remember thinking when I saw the teaser that like, if I didn't know, if I hadn't read these comics, you know, um, like as a kid, like I would not have known this was going to be a superhero movie, you know, like mm-hmm. I thought, wow, you know, like if I showed this to my wife or something, she would have thought that that was a horror movie and you know, that mutants referred to monsters or something like that. You know what I mean? So and I remember thinking that was cool. You know, I was like, oh, that's neat. You know? It, yeah. And that brings up a really good point. I remember growing up, you know, collecting X-Men and probably some GI Joe and Spider-Man and other comic books. And then there was this other weird book called the new mutants. And I think I've told Adam this story. Um, I thought that this was like, a spinoff of Thundercats because on Thundera, <laughs> I don't think you've told me this story. The, the Mumra villains, they were all referred to as mutants. So I was like, Oh, the new mutants, there must be new mutants on Thundera. And it's just all of their like exploits and stuff. I had no idea until later on in, I don't know, fourth or fifth grade when I started getting more into X-Men that, Oh, this is like an offshoot of the X-Men. And these are other like mutant, students but the name still stuck with me i was like what a terrible name for a comic book i'm gonna have to assume that you didn't buy it because the minute you bought it you would have realized oh this isn't thundercat <laughs> no it took me a while and then you know as you get comics right uh some of them i bought some of them somebody gave me or something like that and i had like a fall of the mutants tie-in which is probably the first new mutants book i read it, i was still confused because i didn't know there's like this demon woman and then the warlock character and they're flying around and i don't know i didn't know what was going on and it still never really grabbed me because they didn't they weren't like a superhero team they were just like teen mutants i guess dealing with problems which i don't know i guess that's kind of uh, an adult story to be telling, right? It's... This is the weirdest Thundercats tie-in ever. <laughs> <laughs> They're on Earth? How did this happen? Where's Lion-O? Uh, so anyways, yeah, that, that's that's what I can admit to you. So I guess taking that analogy forward, there's nothing, <clears throat> there's really nothing in the logo, nothing in any of the trailers that I'm aware of that ties this to the X universe, which is weird. So I don't I don't really remember the teaser that well, other than the fact that it had uh, the, the kind of horror elements that we we're talking about. Does it does it do you recognize without the title at the end where it says New Mutants? Would you have realized that it was? Are there any tells or giveaways that this is a comic book movie or a? Uh, are there any characters mentioned by name that you might recognize? Um, obviously, some of the characters look like characters from the New Mutants. Did you did you know before the title card at the end? I don't know, Scott, you, 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 you do an answer here. Right. Yeah, sure thing. Um, like, I think I did because I think I knew when I watched the trailer, it was from some link on some website that was like, they're making a new mutants movie. And I was like, okay. Oh, okay. And then I watched the trailer and then it got to the end and I was like, Oh yeah, I was watching a trailer for a new mutants movie, you know, like, so, but I don't think there was anything in the trailer that was a tell that it was even a superhero movie. Like, no, there might have been something to make you realize that they were like super powered, that it's, you know, but I don't remember. So I like I said, I, I saw it at a movie theater. So there was nothing prompting me that there was going to be a new mutants trailer. But as I was watching it, I was aware that there was this idea that there was going to be a new mutants movie and it could possibly be horror themed. And so as I'm watching this trailer, I was like, huh, I wonder if this is the new mutants trailer. And sure enough, it was. <laughs> But it might have also been because I was watching another Marvel movie. Heck, I might have been watching Deadpool 2 or any other kind of Fox Marvel movie. So it, I might have had uh, the deck stacked for me in terms of that. 
Uh, but I, as I recall, like, I don't recall like X symbols or like somebody yeah. being like, Danny, you and Cannonball go over there. <laughs> Nothing like that. I do think, uh, if I recall right, the trailer borrows from the, you know, it's sort of narrated by the creepy doctor from the actual movie, right? And oh, could be. in the trailer, she might say something in the trailer that, you know, gives off the hint because she's always talking to them about their powers or about that they're mutants or something like that, you know, oh, in the actual film. And it's just her dialogue from the film in the trailer, if I recall right. So there might be a tell in there, but mm. I don't remember it. So, yeah. Yep. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Things looked kind of good uh, leading up to the release of this movie um, outside of all of the delays, right? Because that trailer that we're talking about, that teaser trailer, as I recall, was over a year before it finally got released. Probably two years before it got released is when we saw that. And then, I don't know, I remember stumbling across various like speculation websites where, like this movie's never coming out or it's bad or you know whatever other thoughts and uh rumors there there were i was like well whatever kind of lost track of it but i was like oh it's some like whenever it comes out i'll see it because now i'm kind of intrigued as to like what's happening with it it's almost like it was a strategy for lowering expectations so much (laughs) that by the time you actually get to the movie you're like i wasn't as bad as everybody made it out to be what's the big deal but again you know thinking about like the title of it like take take COVID away or right? pretend like 2020 is a normal year in which we're all going out to eat and going to movie theaters still. Like, I just wonder if there's any, if you don't know somehow that this is tied to the X universe, I don't know how, so the budget for this movie, it says 67 to 80 million. I don't know why there's a range there. Cause it seems like they would know the exact amount, but taking that aside, like that's a lot of money to spend on a movie that, I don't know how you market for it or how you get people into the audience where it's not like X-Men Origins, The New Mutants or something like that. Yeah, outside of the marketing of the two trailers, there really doesn't seem like there was a lot of push for this. I remember around the time that it was released, there was a lot of like web banners and stuff, but I don't know if that goes into the, well, I guess that would go into the marketing budget. That's an interesting question because you're starting with a pretty obscure property, right? Yeah. Like, you know, like I'd heard of these people, but I mean, they're not, they're not, you know, even close to the X-Men as far as like people might have heard of this in their life. Right. And they're certainly not Spider-Man, Superman. Right. Mm-hmm. They're pretty far down there on that list. It's like I was asking, certainly it's, it's not running as a comic anymore. Right. I mean, yeah, it's got various incarnations. I think, right. is there a current new mutants with the whole Dawn of there X is. thing? Okay. So they've rebooted that title like four or five times, but it's nowhere near. It's not, it's not X-Men Spider-Man. I mean, at this point, like to release a comic book movie, you have to go towards what like is what the what the people know and 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 in doing well, that's that not true what about guardians of the galaxy uh i was going to get to that right so okay. you can you you can do it if you start planting all of these seeds as they so cleverly did in um the avengers movies but they didn't start with the guardians of the galaxy right they started with iron man and then captain america and they had they pulled out all of the, the rights that they retained for film, they pulled out all their top tier characters, ensembled them to the Avengers movie, uh, had a pretty good run. Hulk might have been a clunker, but outside of that, everything was pretty good. Uh, and then from there, you know, as they did their little teasers at the end, I think they created an atmosphere where they can say Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy and people are going to show up. I, I would say that if there was a big banner that said like Marvel's The New Mutants... Uh, then I'm like, then that brand recognition is there, but they don't even say like 
from the pages of the X-Men, the New Mutants. So it's weird. So part of the problem with that, which is interesting, is it might be that by the time the sale of Fox was made to Marvel or Disney, uh, Disney was like, well, what is this? What do you have left to release? What's this New Mutants thing? Uh, we're not going to put any money behind the marketing for that. You, you're you're going to have to run it on its own and just hope it does well. That could be. Which is a weird strategy. I know I'm kind of hung up on the title, but like when you take a property like Ghost Rider, you, you start from a property that nobody knows really what Ghost Rider is, but you, you at least have a pretty cool name to go That's along true. with that. Like, And you can release a you know a $25 million, $50 million movie called Ghost Rider if you've got a strong trailer. They didn't. And you get a top-notch actor like Nick Cage. <laughs> That's right. exactly. But you have a point, too, because you have a trailer that tells the audience who Ghost Rider is, right? The trailer yeah. tells yeah. The, tells the story. And it's like, oh, that looks cool, you know? Yep. You're right. Th- this movie does not have that, right? It, it's, so. it almost seems like it's exclusively built around a fan base that it doesn't have. <laughs> so. Yeah. You know, what's interesting is, I mean, I guess going back, like, you know, I, this movie, like, I don't think it works as a tie-in to the Marvel universe. Like, I don't think Marvel's New Mutants works. Like, that's not the audience that this movie would be reaching. Like, it, I mean, it looks to me like it, it's the intended audience is like, you know, teenagers that would, you know, otherwise be going to see the next Halloween movie or whatnot. You know, like the next Jason movie or whatever the kids see. Whatever that's kids really see, interesting. You know? That's a good. So point. you're saying that maybe this movie is kind of more geared towards the horror crew, like kids that just go see kind of horror movies because of the latest horror movie. It's kind of appealing to that demographic. I mean, that's certainly what the trailer did, right? I mean, that's what yeah. the trailer looked like. Yeah. That's interesting. And the movie itself is obviously built around that concept, right? I mean, and then you don't have to tie it to the X Men and you don't have to tie it to Marvel because you just have uh, your property. It's New Mutants. It sounds like a scary sort of yeah. movie that it's, it's kind of a teen heartthrob sort of thing. It doesn't even have to be scary at that point, it just needs to get the teens in. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, and that's a, it's a good point. And, and then when you look at the cast, you've got kind of the right set of teenagers in this movie, the people that are in the hot shows, as it were. Uh, so, yeah, maybe maybe I'm just too old to appreciate, like, the, the <laughs> acting, the marketing. And, and maybe this was going to, like, oh, wrangle in, like, the teenage makeout crew. They'd be like, hey, let's go check out that new Maisie What's-Her-Face movie, Maisie Williams movie. I mean, I couldn't fathom to understand why teens go see movies or what draws them in. I can't uh, either, so, to be honest. So I couldn't even I couldn't even begin to speculate. Okay, I, I guess I'll say like um, first I don't know if this movie could have you know Sans COVID would have found that audience, but I think that watching the movie that that seems to me to, to be the audience for the movie because it's got it, to me it seems like a mix of horror and you know young adults um drama the movie that comes to my mind is that divergent movie but you know all those movies that came out you know that were now past you know but uh twilight and that kind of stuff the teen outcast movie right oh. uh you know it's got a bit of breakfast club in it right you yeah. know it's got that that element and then it's got this horror element and so i, I think that's your audience you know i think you're right I'm, Scott, you, you, you think we lost them when we started talking about yellow pages and you just dropped the <laughs> breakfast club? People are like, what? <laughs> Is that a thing? I don't know. <laughs> Did people go to breakfast clubs in the 80s? Like, what is he talking about? Is, um, there a recent, is there a recent breakfast club movie? There probably is one in the works. 
not I mean Breakfast Club, but you know what I mean? Like what would be the modern, you know, equivalent that the young people today would have seen that's sort of like, oh yeah, the movie about the teen outcasts. You is know that the like? is, is that Book Smart? Was that the latest kind of teen comedy? Oh Anybody yeah, see that, that one. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah, stuff like that, right? W- wouldn't it so. be um oh gosh, Catching Fire, uh the the That's the other one I was trying to name. What, what are the yeah, what's yeah. the what is the district nine? Mockingbird. Isn't that over with? Mockingbird, Mockingjay. What's the That's first book called? You know all the sequels. What's the, name of the original? <laughs> Killing Hunger Games. Hunger Games, Hunger right? Games. Yeah. Uh, yes, that's it's long since gone, but I feel like Scott's on to something in terms. No, no, he definitely yeah, is. Yeah. And I think around the time that this movie was announced or the trailer was dropped, uh, Fox had just done Logan, and Logan was getting rave reviews for being. Uh, against superhero type yes so it, it feels like new mutants is another stab into that against type waters right. i honestly thought it would have been a good idea and apparently it wasn't because they didn't do it but you know uh, logan rescues all of those mutants at the essex corp right so there's a tie-in right there uh and then takes him to canada or whatever and then he dies i thought like those characters should have gone on to become like the new mutants but they didn't. I think some of them were name checked as new mutants. So I don't know. They crossed some wires here. Yeah. Well, that's what they do in the Fox X yeah. universe. Right. Yeah. yeah. So let's let's get into now that we've completely dissected who this movie was for and we're probably totally right. I want to say one thing. You sure. brought up the fact that uh, the, the COVID experience of going to see theaters. This film was kind of the perfect COVID experience because like. It takes place inside a uh, area that is completely cut off from society. You know, you don't have to worry about COVID. It's a, it's, it's a small group of people. They're all in one set, essentially. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a perfect uh, representation of COVID film. These guys are like cut off from society, which is what you want to be. That's what they, That's why they delayed it by like four years. They, they marketed it for COVID. They were waiting. <laughs> They should insert a scene at the beginning where it's like they show their negative COVID tests, you know, before they enter the facility. (laughs) Yep, you can come in. Yep, you can come in. He doesn't have pneumonia. (laughs) All right. Well, how uh, impressions, I guess, before we, I guess, jump into the meat of the movie, just kind of on the outside without too many spoilers. Adam, like, what was your kind of overall impression of the movie? I was bored for the first 30 minutes. And then... I started to get into it, and by the end, I kind of liked it. Okay. Scott? I, I liked it, yeah. Um, I think, it, you know, we've sort of talked about the kind of ground it covers, which, again, is like this sort of horror and teen outcast stuff. And I think what's odd to me is I don't know if it succeeded on any of those levels, but I thought it was still kind of cool that it tried, you know, that, that that's the space it carved out, you know? Yeah. Um, I I think I liked... I think I found myself a little bored in the beginning, like you mentioned, Adam. Uh, But I think overall I was impressed by, I feel like they did a really good job paying attention to detail when they didn't need to. Uh, For example, like I felt like all the characters looked like their comic book counterparts, which is sometimes um, unique. Sometimes they just don't, they don't bother and they just get, get somebody in uh, to play that character. Um, Sometimes it was like 50, 50. Uh, and I don't know the the characters were, were mostly one dimensional. Like Roberto was like angry all the time, which is that's what his comic book character was. And uh, you know, and the rest of the characters kind of followed their traits. I guess I don't know. I I also thought that that the that the, 
I knew what was happening because I read the comic book. So like when all the horror elements were happening, I was like, well, I know what's happening. Like I, I read that arc and I'm, I'm intrigued. Like I'm impressed that they took this obscure comic and an obscure arc and they're making a movie about it. Um, so I appreciated that if that, I don't know. But at the end of the day, I felt like, um, it was a 90 minute movie, which is in my opinion for like a superhero movie, it's kind of a bad sign. Like they either had to cut a whole bunch out or I don't know. It, it, oh, I love 90 minute movies. That's my dream. I, I wish every movie was 90 minutes <laughs> Don't so, or less. You know? <laughs> don't get me wrong. Like I like a 90 minute movie too. Like when I, when I sit down and watch a horror movie, like I never want it to be a minute over like 88 minutes. That's like <laughs> the perfect <laughs> length, like any longer than that. And, and now you're just bragging, but there there's kind of like this epicness of, of comic, like star Wars movies and comic book movies where they got to be two and a half hours long for better or for worse. Um, now if, Star Wars, uh, what was the, um, what was the one that nobody liked? <laughs> the, uh, the last Jedi? No, the, the, the Han Solo one? No. Solo one? Rise of Skywalker? No. <laughs> the, uh, the girl one where they, the Phantom Menace? No. <laughs> Rogue One? Rogue One, right. So, Rogue One, if Rogue One was released with a 90 minute runtime, don't you think that would raise some flags? You'd be like, wait a minute. Something must have gone wrong because 90 minutes feels too short. It Dude, depends. I just pre-order my tickets. I've been <laughs> Finally, they're speaking to me. You know? It depends on uh, whether or not they are able to tell their story in in ninety minutes. So I have a theory um, about you know epic style movies like Terminator. I think is a good example of that. Most Terminator movies are two hours or more, uh, except for the one Terminator Three. Terminator 3 came out with a really short runtime, and that was like immediately like something didn't go right. And then you watch Terminator 3, and you're like, that's not a good movie. <laughs> it is. It's not a good movie, but it does tell its story within 90 minutes. I mean, you add oh. any more to that, and it just feels like it's bloated. That doesn't mean it's a good thing, Adam. Like, it just probably means it was the wrong story to tell. I think I, I get what Jeremy's getting at, which is that for the story to be of that epic comic book scale, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy or Avengers scale, it needs to be a story that takes two hours to tell. It, it can't be a story that, you know, you could tell on a television episode or something like that. And I, I feel like that's just poor story writing. <laughs> that is what I have down here as a comment about this movie is that, you know, um, it is ultimately a small picture. Like, it isn't a big concept, you know, uh, movie, really, right? I mean, no, it's, it's it's not an Avengers movie. It doesn't have that kind of story arc or that kind of like, uh, you know, galaxy defying epicness to it or whatever. Um, and so the 90 minute runtime for me fits. But I kind of understand what you're saying. At the same time, it means that it doesn't have a lot to say. And <laughs> I think, you know, I think that's fair to say about this movie. You know, <laughs> there's there, there's really not that much of a story there to begin with. So it, it it's kind of like the, the thing that you always say, Jeremy, is like things happen there. <laughs> It's a movie where things happen, and and that's this is this is kind of a movie where things don't really happen, and then it kind of resolves itself, and it's still interesting, but really nothing happens. So, I I don't fault this movie for being ninety minutes. Like to make it longer, I think there's some ways that they could have made it longer, and I'll, I'll talk a little bit about that as we talk about some of the characters. But I think that was just kind of a a sign, right? That was kind of like a key, like hmm, this isn't going to be like. I'm not going to want to watch this again. Like every now and again, uh, every now and again, I'll throw in days of future past. Cause I like that movie a lot. There's some flaws in it, but I, I like that movie. Um, I don't think that new mutants will be on any sort of regular rotation. 
Uh, and I think my first indicator of that was like the runtime. I was like, now something this something about that that is a is a red flag for me when I'm looking at these various sequels uh, and things that take place in in sort of these epic universes. That being said, right, like I've watched some excellent 88-minute movies that are definitely on my rotation, and I can just burn through those in a night, and, and I love a short movie. My standby question, and I'll ask both of you, uh, you're watching TV one night, you're flipping through the channels, New Mutants comes on, let's say it's 25 minutes in, you change the channel or you sit and watch it? Uh, Scott, let's start with you. You're, you're using the Wayback Machine here again, uh, Adam. Like, you know, we don't flip channels. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. Anything I watch is a constant decision. But I get your point. I could see myself sitting and watching it until the next commercial break, right? <laughs> you know? I guess it depends on what chunk of the movie it is or if I remember what's happening. But really, the only time I'm in a position where channels are being flipped is when I'm at my grandma's house in Michigan. Look, it's, a theor- <laughs> it's a theoretical situation. You have to put yourself in the situation of, of what I'm providing you. Yeah, the 90s? <laughs> I'm like... not asking you to question the state of how television is today. I mean, Adam, like... I don't flip channels either. <laughs> no, I got it. I just thought, you know, the kids can't relate. That's I'm just letting you know. You know what I mean? <laughs> there are no kids listening to this show. I, I think... It's he, all people our age. Here's the question. <laughs> if you're scrolling through Disney Plus or Netflix or, or whatever else, and you stop on New Mutants and the autoplay starts, <laughs> do you let it go? <laughs> or you're right, like, oh, God, right. get it off. It's 20 years ago. And you're flipping through the channels and New Mutants comes on and it was released. Let's say it was released a year ago and all of that superhero stuff has already happened. Just so you don't have any theoretical mumbo jumbo to drive through your head. Do you watch it? Now, wait a minute. In this hypothetical situation. I'm with you. I'll give you a yes, Adam. I I would. Yes. Uh, But I want to add, I want to ask some qualifying questions here. If it's 20 years ago and I'm flipping through the channels and this movie shows on, does it have the same production? Does it have the same effects? Because if so, then I'm mesmerized. It's exactly the same as, uh, whatever, whatever, man. Or or is all the CGI like smoke and... and... All right, new hypothetical situation. Technology has not advanced in your television the way that it has today. Mm. There are no streaming platforms. There's no apps or anything like that. Uh, we don't even have you don't even have cell phones. So you're sitting at home in the dark. You're watching TV. I'm not watching TV because I'm so depressed at the lack of uh, progress we've made. Impossible. I'm still like I'm doing my job on a Commodore 64 because technology Just hasn't answer progressed. The question. Just right. answer the question. Uh, probably. I don't know. It's an X-Men kind of tie in. So, yeah, I probably watch a little bit. I can't I wouldn't commit to watching the whole thing, though. So it's commercial break and you're done. Probably. Probably. Depends on what part I'm at. Pardon. How hungry am I at the break? <laughs> How late is it? <laughs> a lot of variables. Um, let's talk about some of the... Well, I don't know. What You guys want to talk about characters? You want to talk about plot? There's not much to talk about in the way of plot. Okay, let's talk about characters. Well, let's, wait, wait, let's run through let's the plot like super plot quick. because so like have to worry about like, spoilers or anything like that as we go further in the discussion. Does oh, that make sense? Uh, sure. So oh, if, yeah. We dropped the spoiler warning. From here on out... I passed this point. Spoilers <laughs> for a movie that's been out for like two months now. I mean, you're probably not coming to us for advice on whether or not to watch this movie. Yeah, generally, generally our reviews come off pretty negative. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I think most people have already seen the movie by the time they start listening to our advice. So in the in the idea of uh, we just dropped the spoiler warning. But before before we go into the actual movie, 
in the in the idea of advice, would you recommend this to a listener who is listening to this movie, this review for some reason? I mean, if if they're listening to Danger Room, the X Men Comics Commentary podcast, yeah, I of course I recommend it. Yeah, if you're coming to us, you probably you want to see this movie because it's it falls into your wheelhouse, I suppose. Uh, now, if it's just like some random listener who's like, I've never heard of this podcast before, and they're talking about the new mutants, do you recommend it to that person? This is a terrible first episode. <laughs> go somewhere else. Any other episode. Uh, 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 here we go. Um, you let's let's set up another hypothetical. Um, you're on your <laughs> Zoom call. You got a break. You're talking with like a coworker who's not really like they've watched some of the Avengers movies, but they're not deep into the X Men. Do you recommend this movie to that person? They like if they were into comedies? horror movies, I would say yes. Okay. Like, what about teen you know, comedies? Sort of, because if you're into horror movies, and then you know, and then maybe you tangentially like superhero movies, or you like some of the superheroes, then you might give it a yeah, try that one out. You know. Sure. What about you, Adam? I, are they into teen comedies? Uh, if you want them to be sure. <laughs> I have control over them. <laughs> <laughs> this is your world, your hypothetical wow. world, Adam. This is amazing. <laughs> Get me some coffee. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, yes, if I think they would like it. I mean, it's like any movie. If they're if they're comic book fans, then yeah, sure, I would recommend this movie totally. Okay. If they were not comic book fans, I don't think I would recommend this at all. This is coming from the guy who recommended I watch The Greasy Strangler. Oh, Scott, have you seen The Greasy Strangler? No, it is not children appropriate. Uh, your your wife probably also would not like it. No. So on your own time. You got to watch the Greasy Strangler. All right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I feel like that's a movie that's kind of up your alley, up our alley for reasons. It's good old time. Good old time. <laughs> All right. So, yeah. That sounds good. I'll remember the name. The Greasy Strangler. You can't forget it. Yeah, it's not, it's not hard to remember. Uh, so the plot of the movie, uh, somebody want to take a Not stab? to be confused with The Oily Strangler, which is a movie that I discovered on Amazon the other day. I haven't watched it yet, but I think I'm going to. Oh, is that like that? That kind of, what's the studio that makes like all the knockoff movies? I don't think it's a knockoff movie. I think it came first. Oh, okay. I think it's a, like, who would want to knock off the Greasy Strangler? <laughs> That's what I was getting to. Like, it'd be kind of funny. They're... I think it's like a Japanese horror film called The Oily Strangler. Interesting. So I'm going to check it out. Uh, Scott, give us a, give us a synopsis of the plot. All right. So there's these five kids, um, they uh, have super mutant powers and uh, they're being held in this like hospital um, and uh, in order to learn how to use their super mutant powers. But then it turns out they're actually held in the hospital. So the bad people can train them to be killer weapons. Um, and then they try to bust out. And then one of them inadvertently summons a giant bear that chases everybody around. And uh, uh, yeah, and then they get away and, and then they leave. Yeah, so that's that's pretty accurate. Uh, but based on that synopsis, I don't know that you're getting many people to watch it. No, but it's true, though. I mean, it, he was completely accurate. Yeah, well, no, I, I, that, that's a completely accurate well, synopsis. Why would you get that synopsis with my recommendation, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. uh, I guess the part I'm leaving out there is that the main character, her power is that she brings people's like nightmares or their worst fears to life. And then her worst fear is a giant bear. So that's why the giant bear comes at the end. And then through the whole movie, people's nightmares keep coming to life. And that's why it's scary, you know? Yeah. So uh, this, th there's also 
throughout the movie, the characters are like, ooh, the, uh, the X-Men exist in this world. So they're definitely planted in the world of the, the X-Men. They think that they're in like a training or that they're going to like they're going to go become X-Men. But then they learn on later that that, no, they're being uh, I don't know. They're, they're being groomed to be killer mutants for the government or something. For Mr. Sinister. Well, right. yeah, for the Essex Corporation, which you got to think that they were building up to this long-running thing because the Essex, eh, the Essex Corporation not only was in the Deadpool movies, which probably doesn't count, but it was also mentioned in Logan. And wasn't it also... It was a teaser in one of the movies. I thought it was a... a after the credits. Yeah, the teaser where the professor and uh, Magneto... <laughs> Professor and Marianne and the rest, uh, they they see Logan at an airport. I feel like it's at the end of um, uh, one, first the class. One, where the air, it's, yeah. it's the first time when you see Patrick Stewart back and you're like, wait a minute, Patrick Stewart died in X-Men 3. How can he be here? And he comes to Logan. He's like, Logan, we have to get ready for something. And that's like the teaser for um, Days of Future Past. But I feel like, like the terminal that he was in there was like Essex was written somewhere and I was like ooh what, are they doing a Mr. Sinister thing like what are they teasing up and this was before they had announced Days of Future Past as is my recollection anyways yes I remember what you were talking about and you are you are correct I think it was at the end of the Wolverine oh you might be right the airport yeah yeah I think you're right so anyways like it feels like they were building up to a Mr. Sinister story um, and it certainly feels like New Mutants wasn't ever supposed to kind of button up the Fox m- mutant uh, saga. Um, yeah, this is pre-Disney buying out Fox, so they yeah. thought they were still going to keep on churning them out. And the X-Men, I mean, Wolverine was done, right? Logan was done. Uh, Hugh Jackman's like, I'm not coming back. Uh, and I think everybody from, like, the X-Men first class, like, I think all of their contracts expired. You know you're not going to get um, that girl back to play Mystique and... I think uh, Michael Fassbender was done. So it just kind of seemed like, the well, they're going to continue on with New Mutants and maybe whatever other mutant franchises they can pull together. And the big bad baddie that they're going to introduce, kind of like maybe they were going to introduce Thanos, was going to be Mr. Sinister, which could have been cool, but we'll never see that. Oh, my God, that's a real person, Mr. Sinister? That's like a real character? Yeah. Yeah. I thought, I, I thought you were just joking. I thought, no. I thought, like, you know. Wow, I thought that was like Mr. Axe or whatever the man. Wow. Oh. Yeah, no, Mr. Sinister is a is a we've talked about that too about how terrible of a villain Ooh. name that is. <laughs> like he's a great character, but he is not he is not he he becomes a great character. He did not start out that way. I liked him in his initial uh introduction into the X-Men. It didn't dawn on me until an adult like what a terrible name Mr. Sinister is for a villain because you're like do you have to always call him Mr. Sinister? Can you sometimes just call him Mr.? He's kind of like a stripper. He's like a male stripper. Do you some like in order to be polite, do you call him Mr. Mr. Sinister? <laughs> I don't think Mr. is his first name. Oh. I guess if you're in close relations, you just call him Sinister. Yeah. How let me ask, how closely does this plot follow the the comic? Because you were mentioning it that it's specifically lifted from a particular arc, but my memory is that Xavier goes out and like he's like recruiting these kids. It, it's basically you know X Men like 187 or whatever that issue yeah. is all over again. You know it's basically that redo, and you know then they have wacky adventures. You know, but that I don't know if I remember the whole idea that like is it like one or two of them are being held that way? 
basically the whole plot except for the demon bear is is made up <laughs> yeah okay so, so the only thing i'm referring to and, and you have to understand like scott this has been a progress for me like I came from a place where I wanted my X-Men movies to be exactly true to the source material. And by the 13th movie, I'm like, yeah, it's close enough. <laughs> I'll take it. Like they borrowed the, the, the bear story and her and um, Moonstar. Uh, what's her, what's her name? Danny Moonstar. Yeah. But what's her, what's her, uh, is it Mirage? Mirage. Yeah. She becomes Mirage. She starts, she's got, she's gone through a bunch of names. Okay, so she, there's a there's a story arc. I think it was part of the Brett Blevins. Um, uh, no, it was uh, uh, Bilson Cabbage. Oh yes, 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 yes. You are correct. Uh, and he's got a super kind of uh, horrific, if you will, or dark um, art style. Uh, and so there was a, an arc where uh, Danny Moonstar had had conjured up like the spirit bear which had a lot of meaning for the tribe or whatever and, and couldn't control her powers. And she was bringing together, you know, fe fears of all the new mutants or all the new mutants had to uh, kind of band together to defeat this spirit bear and, and basically rescue Mirage. That's really the only element that has any accuracy to the comic book. <laughs> yeah. It's, Mirage spends like the three issues pretty much unconscious for the, uh, for the d duration of it. And it ends with, um, it turning out that the spirit bear held her parents captive and her parents were now, she thought they were dead and now they're, they're released into the world again. Wow. Yeah. That's a happy ending. <laughs> and also it, it teased warlock, which I, I thought maybe this movie would tease warlock too. I, it, yeah, that's the same arc as where we first got our, our first appearance of warlock. I think, mm. It was either a missed opportunity or by the time they got to the Warlock CGI, they're like, you know what? Disney's buying us. Let's just scrap that whole thing. As long as, you dropped a, as, long as you talked about CGI, the CGI was like the weakest point <laughs> of the film for me. It it was uh, you. It just felt like they didn't have a budget or they gave up at some point. There was no attempt to show mutants using their powers that much. Um you, when you did, it was usually like a cut to them having their powers on. Like, I don't think we ever saw Maisie Williams' reign transform into Wolfsbane. Mm. That I noticed, yes. that I don't think that ever happened. I agree. You definitely didn't see her, like, transform into a wolf. But did you ever see her kind of transform into her hybrid form a little bit? Like, grow a little bit of hair? Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Um, before we get to the CGI stuff, I want to talk a little bit about... Um, want to talk about Maisie Williams and uh, whoever plays Danny Moonstar, their relationship, uh, Wolfsbane, Danny relationship. Um, I was not a fan of their the they have romantic feelings for each other sort of thing. I felt like so the comic book definitely puts together this scenario with like they're close. They're like like sisters or best friends or they have like a spiritual kinship. They, yes. they are kind of in each other's heads. They have a uh because she because because Danny has powers that involve the mind and uh Rain is a wolf, mm -hmm. they are able they have like a spiritual kinship where they they can sense each other's presence. And I feel like that relationship uh, in the comics anyways is a lot stronger than this i felt like it was ham-fisted to be like hey we're lesbians and that's our strong connection uh, it didn't bother me for for whatever reason i was behind it because 
up, up until that point, nothing was really happening. So <laughs> that's fair. The fact that like she started like they stood like there, the the uh, the the relationship was clearly being led up to. There wasn't it wasn't a surprise at all. It was very easy to predict this was going to happen. I was surprised that it actually did happen. OK, because usually they just kind of lead up to that sort of stuff and never actually pull the trigger on it. But this time it felt earned. It felt like real character decisions. It felt like this, this feels grounded feels real. I, I was okay with it. Scott. Yeah. It's funny. Cause um, I have these notes down here. One of my sections says romance. And the first comment I have is I thought it felt natural. Like that, okay. you know, it's like, they're basically the two leads in the movie. You know what I mean? For them to be romantically connected, like that, that seemed to fit, you know? Um, and uh, I definitely thought that, you know, it, leading up to it, I definitely thought Rachel was giving off vibes. Like I thought the actress did a good job where you kind of got the sense that she was, you know, sort of romantically interested in Moonstar. I, I thought when Moonstar, you know, suddenly reciprocated those feelings, you know, yeah, I wasn't I was... like totally shocked. I did think that was like not as well telegraphed, you know, I was surprised that she made the first move. I, yeah, and that's kind of maybe that's what I'm getting at with the whole ham fistedness is like it didn't feel like I didn't think it was earned. Like I, I just feel like it's kind of a trope. Where like you've got um, Wolf Spain, Rain Sinclair, who's who's religious, uh, Catholic or whatever, or, or kind of like grew up with that mindset. Uh, and I think her worst fear is being like chastised by priests or something like that. Like, she, and in the comics, she's got like the same thing. Like. Uh, people that are close to her in her life because she can turn into a wolf. They think she's demon possessed, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So she's got this kind of uh, uh, religious complex going on about herself. And I feel like um, the natural way to kind of like write the rebelliousness of that is to be like, okay, she's a lesbian. Uh, and then if she's a lesbian, then the first girl that comes along and is friendly is a girl she's going to fall in love with. And I, I didn't really like outside of them kind of like, here's bedrooms and here's where we work out and here's where we eat. I didn't see them like falling in love. Just no, like, I, I, I don't know that they saw them falling in love, but we're talking about a teen romance here. I, I just saw them forming a connection where it was, it was clear. You could see the actors were portraying them as attracted to each other. And the fact that they went with it was a surprise. And I was kind of excited about it. Is it cliched in a movie sort of way? Absolutely. I mean, it, it's, it's, it, when I say it feels real, just the fact that they had a conversation before they started making out felt real to me. Um, but yeah, it's still movie magic. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I will say that it did as much to earn itself as any boy girl relationship that I've seen in like a teen horror movie. Exactly. Yeah, that's fair. Like, you know, that's, um, that's and I'll say the, the part I thought about it um, that I sort of appreciated was. One, I did not feel like that was exploited in the advertising, you know, of the movie at all. And even within the context of the movie, um, the scene where they kiss and stuff like that, like, it, I didn't feel like the movie exploited that for like, you know, sort of a shock, you know what I mean? Or anything like that. Like, again, like I said, like, it was built up before that, you know, if you, you know, you could sense that uh, there was something there. So it wasn't like a huge shock when it happened or anything like that. And I think that that was to the movie's credit that it didn't try to play it as a shock like hey check it out you know <laughs> we're edgy um, yeah and it didn't it didn't try to sexualize it either in the way that they kind of tried to sexualize Ileana 
Uh, well, yeah. I want to talk about that in a bit, but but I agree with that. Yeah. They, for, if they were going to do any sort of romance, like male, female, 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 male, male, whatever, um, it, it's better. In my opinion, it's better in these types of movies not to over-sexualize it and just be like, this is a thing, it's happening, and now we're going to cut on to the next scene. Uh, and just know that there's a, a new uh, dimension to this relationship that's happening over there. So from that perspective, I appreciated it. I just felt like it was... I don't know, like, not that I'm a movie writer or anything, but it just kind of felt like movie writing 101. How do you portray this? Okay, we make them lovers. Well, I, and they, yeah, I mean, I guess. <laughs> I, I mean, the, the, the characters are stereotypes to begin with, kind of. You have your, like, Rain is an extremely stereotyped character. So the fact that they were keeping her that stereotyped is kind of a blessing on its own. You know, you talk about wanting the the, the characters to be like their comic book, like, versions it was fairly fairly accurate accurate that they kept that stereotype of rain yeah well the, and i would argue that the comics kind of overplayed it to kind of an annoying level so oh they, absolutely they did balance that and and, and uh, uh Maisie williams was not obnoxious by any means you could tell that she was a little meek and a little bit um uh hampered by her religious upbringing but it was nowhere near kind of the whininess of the comic books which was appreciated it's interesting. I would actually say that that's something I thought was a little underdeveloped in the movie. Well, her character in general, I think, was underdeveloped. So I think, um, to a degree, all of the characters were a little underdeveloped. They were all stereotypes. I have one more comment about the the girls' relationship. Just that, like, the other comment is like going back in time, right in the wayback machine. Like, I appreciated that this movie was not the sort of hot girl on girl action for you teen boys mm, of the right. first that we grew up with, right? Like, yes. From that element, I thought it was nice. So, you know, you and Jeremy kind of talked about, you know, should these relationships, just relationships in general movies, you know, should they be sexualized and so on? And, and I just felt like overall this movie did a good job in that regard. It's it's kind of wholesome in a way, right? Yeah. Um, and I also appreciated the fact that the portrayed a lesbian relationship and it was not done for the titillation of like teen male audience, you know, which, you know, I guess you should expect that in the year 2020, but that just was not the way it was when we were growing up. Like if, if that relationship had been in there when we were growing up, it would have been like all you boys watch now, you know, this is what's going to happen, you know? So, yeah, I, I totally, uh, totally agree with that. So it, it, it's taken 40 years or 30 years, but Hollywood screenwriters now know how to write a realistic gay relationship. Kudos. <laughs> it's, it's as realistic as a straight relationship in a dopey horror movie, right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, and I think those are all uh, very valid points. Uh, so, Ileana Rasputin, I thought she was great. And not just because she's a pretty girl. I thought like she looked a lot like n different illustrations, maybe not like the original illustration of uh, magic, but certain illustrations of her. The one thing that I thought, you know, we know what's happening, right? We know she's a mutant, and we also know she's a sorceress, but I don't feel like an audience coming in kind of dry would know like what, 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 what's that sword? Like what is happening here? Why has she got all that armor? And thankfully they did not try to explain it. I was kind of relieved that like, cause her backstory in the comics is so convoluted and complicated. It's just better to show it and be like, okay, so she's got a sword arm. That's her mutant power. She also teleports. They kind of delve into it a little bit, but I was glad that they didn't take up time trying to explain you don't need to. She has a sword. She has a sword arm. I thought 
they could have used that. Because when they were talking about like all of the horrors from their past, when they finally kind of start realizing what's happening, I thought that that would have been a good spot for Ileana not don't even show it just just to have her be like kind of like really quickly summarize like when I was a kid demons stole me and I learned to be a sorceress and that sucked and it was awful and that's why I'm here it could have been a moment for her to spend you know 45 seconds of screen time kind of talking about this story of what happened to her as a child which would then kind of give you like more understanding to why she's got Lockheed. And I think she, didn't she have a teddy bear too that she was like, give me that teddy bear. I don't think you can, it's not relatable though to just go through all that convolution and, and explain it in 45 seconds. It's it's more like a what moment? Just kind of like. But Adam, like you and I have read like the magic miniseries and like everything that has to do with why she is the way she is. So and you know what? At the, at the end of the day, I still don't know why she has an, a sword arm and I'm okay with that. <laughs> I don't think the like I don't think the sword arm has to be explained. Like, you know, I took that as like that's her mutant power. And again, for reading the comics, I know that's part of her mutant power is the sword arm. But I do feel like, you know, her story was a little left hanging. That she, for, for a character that got, you know, a lot of screen time and a lot of talk, it, what in the end, I think if I didn't know anything about her, I would have been like, you know, going into the movie, I would have been like, what what the heck? I would have felt like a little cheated that they didn't really explain like these demons and they have smiley faces and she kind of spits out some dialogue about what it all is about, but definitely not enough. Um, you I know. feel like they, they had a story that they were trying to tell. It wasn't the same as the comic book. I don't think they did a good job of telling that story of whatever her backstory was. So yeah, I agree with you both. That they could have done a better job in what they, than what they did, but I don't think going the route of the comic books was the way to go. Not certainly to the depth. Like you don't do like a whole fifteen minute vignette of Ilyana in limbo with with Sim and Belasco and all that sort of stuff. But all you need to do is just be like, it's a horror movie, so you can get away with, I think, having one character vulnerable say, When I was eight years old, there was a monster under my bed and it took me to this place called Limbo and where it was filled with demons and blah 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 and that messed me up <laughs> and then the rest of the movie happens right and then so when she shows up out of her teleportation disc like all cool looking i think she had like horns and her helmet and the the uh the sword and everything you'd be like oh we heard a little bit about this this limbo place or this this demon place that she was at and now we're getting the payoff to it that's kind of what i wanted to see i again for the audience member who's like what is happening like why does this character have all of these things they they do give her a backstory I, I watched the movie yesterday and I'm still not 100% sure what it does. Do, do either of you know like what her backstory was? In the movie? Yeah. You know, I'm desperately trying to remember. <laughs> I'm kind of wondering if it's sort of a, a matter of execution that uh, I don't I think, think so. it's totally left it out. I Because I think that, it was there. Yeah, it, it just didn't get, you know, it just wasn't like pulled off or something. Like maybe too much of it ended up on the, the editing room floor or something where it's sort of there's enough tidbits, but it's there certainly isn't a scene where she puts all the pieces together for you. Well, you there know? is. There is a scene where she says, when I was a kid, and I'm trying to remember in, 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 last night, uh, I, me and Lockheed, we used to go to this imaginary place. Mm, and mm-hmm. and we, went, we, we ended up spending more time there than here. Mm-hmm. And it became real. And it was our little limbo. 
Yeah. And that's her backstory. She, she does explain that. Yeah. But she doesn't. It's somewhere in that is some explanation of the demons. And also when she first talks about, you know, what she's doing there or something, she's like, I killed 18 men, you know, like, yeah, it, it, this, you know, and you, I don't think you ever like. So to me, those pieces never came. I agree with you about Limbo. Yeah. I remember her saying that. And I remember her alluding to something about the demons, like the demons would chase her. That's why she yeah, went to Limbo. she did. She said something about how they would, when I would sleep at night, they would show up. Um, it was it was very unclear. You're right. It, and I think there was none on purpose. They were trying to make her kind of a mysterious character, but it was probably the wrong choice, given that we're all confused. I think when we watch that as like the, the comic book fans, the people that read the comic book, and we hear her make that description like we, we pretty much know what she's talking about but that's because we've got the benefit of all that source material i just kind of wish there was a little bit more because when you hear like me and lockheed spent a a, a lot of time at this place and it became real you kind of think of like oh is she got some mental issues like she kind of right. regressed inside of herself and created this world and and uh, which is interesting in and of itself i think but. that's what they wanted to do but i don't I, I think they did it in a way that sacrificed us knowing what that what actually happened to her was I think they wanted her to be an unstable character. Yes. That you you never really knew what she was going to do or if she was what she was talking about, whether or not it was real or not. I think having the benefit of of some description of like I was kidnapped by demons helps that I don't story. Think the demons part's necessary. Well, we get the demons later on in the movie. Yeah. Is it, are they demons? I thought they were like Slendermen. They were. I feel like the CGI guy was like, how many monsters do you want me to do? No, I'm doing one. And I'm just pasting him like 17 times. But he, her nightmares do feature like prominently in it. You know, they're sort of, they're actually the horrorist horror element, right? Those yeah. demons chase them around. And at some point they're pushing their faces through the walls, like some kind of thing straight out of the old Freddy or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I guess I do feel like, you know, the audience was owed a little more explanation with that. But on the other hand, she is a huge character. She is actually not the main character. Mm-hmm. And I do appreciate the fact that like her backstory in the comics is like impossibly convoluted. Mm-hmm. And th- they do have to be careful how much they dip into that. And maybe they want to leave some of it for a future film. Um, and you certainly don't want to go too deep because Moonstar is the main character. Right. So. Yeah, no, that, that's all. That's all fair. That was my only kind of like, I don't know, feedback. Like overall, I liked her character. I liked the CGI choices. We were talking a little bit about the CGI, like, there was that one, I think, scene that they must have spent most of their money on where she kind of erupts from one of her discs, all demoned out. And I was like, this this is cool. I like this. Lockheed turns real, which was fun. I was like, Lockheed, yeah. Yeah. And at first I was like, well, now Ilyana doesn't have Lockheed. This doesn't, doesn't make matter, sense. doesn't matter, Jeremy. But then I, I, I relaxed a little bit. And I was like, you know what? We haven't... We haven't seen Lockheed. We're never going to see Lockheed. This was really our only opportunity to see Lockheed. So I'm good. Let's and see to be fair, although although Lockheed did imprint himself on Kitty Pride pretty hard, in the beginning he hung out with Ilyana a heck of a lot. That's true. So, um, accept it. So I'll take the con on this one, uh, Jeremy. I'll say certainly at the beginning of the movie, I did not like magic. Um, oh. I'll start with the look. I thought actually that her. I agree with you that she looked like she did in the comics a lot. She kept showing up in like various like weird outfits and hairdos that were very much drawn from. What I remember anyway from the comics, she always kind of looked weird with the hair and stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, I felt like it, it, that was pulling me out of the movie, you know, it's sort of pulling because the rest of the characters were portrayed very gritty, realistic, you know, um, in the setting and everything. And then she was kind of very like 
done up in a sense with those. Well, uh, she, with that you're part. supposed to think like she's the crazy one. She's the, she's the Angelina Jolie of girls interrupted a movie that I've never seen and still know who, <laughs> what, what character Angelina Jolie plays in it. Yeah. I've never seen that movie either. I will agree though to the way she was portrayed. Like every time you saw her, she'd be like, the know-it-all like oh you know you you think you've seen horrible things or, or whatever i didn't care for that she wasn't very likable from that perspective nor was she supposed to be i think i just I again mean, you have just, you have to have an antagonist because at that point in the movie there are no antagonists that's true but i i don't know i feel like it could have been played off a little bit more subtle or Playing to that bad girl point, somehow you could have done it where she's just kind of unintentionally being rude or or real. But this was just like, I've seen way more things than you've ever seen, and I'm going to tell you what it's all about, and I'm going to be sarcastic, and I don't like you. Yeah, that's the kind of comment I hear now. I actually think this is true of, of all the characters that Rachel in the beginning, which, which is not very many actually anyway, but I felt like when Moonstar first meets them all, they're really abrasive and they're kind of mean to her, you know? Um, and, but magic in particular, I thought, you know, exactly along the lines of what you're saying, Jeremy, like, I just feel like that aspect of her, the, the sarcasm and just the meanness was turned up to such a degree that she was not likable at the beginning of the movie. Um, but, you know, eventually she has to become likable because she's one of the people in the movie, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I, I feel like it, there was there's a you know maybe they could have done a little less or something but that was definitely my feeling in the beginning i was like ah oh, this is she's just being like mean to this girl and you know i was like you know like i don't know i didn't like it i guess you know i was like huh you know mm -hmm. i don't um, think the transition from her be being mean to being nice worked all that well just all of us it seemed like a switch yeah well that's also i guess where like a little more of her backstory might have helped like you kind of expect yeah. there's going to be a talk where she sort of explains why she's totally mean you know but like you know, I don't know. She's just totally mean. Like, you know, like I, the way it's portrayed, it's not like because she's coming from some broken place or whatever. It's, it's she's totally mean, you know, like, you know? Just yeah. mean for the sake of being mean. Yeah. And she does come from a, I, I think that was what the film was trying to say was that she did come from a broken past, but yeah, we never really got enough of that to actually relate to her. I, I think it, it, it goes back to just we needed just a little a little scene to kind of like later on in the movie or somewhere to talk about like this horrible place that she's been into or been well, to. She, she needed a, one of those classic movie moment moments where she's like, all right, I'm going to tell you my story. Yeah. And the story right. could have been they quick. Do a, a slow pan into her face as and, she tells the story. Yes. And you're sitting there going, wow, this girl, she's been through it all. This is messed up. And then immediately she becomes likable. Yeah. Yeah. That and what's weird is the movie had the setup for that scene, right? Because at some point. Moonstar goes and talks to her. Um, well, they they already gave that scene to Moonstar. Oh. So they couldn't do it twice. <laughs> That's my guess. <laughs> oh, you mean, mean Moonstar had some big explanation of why she's who she is? Yeah, she did the whole, like, when I was a little girl, I was afraid of the dark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, right. to a yeah, scary yeah. amount. Yeah, yeah. You're right about that. And that's kind of what I guess what I was saying earlier about magic and them not getting, like, having to kind of, like, the delicate line, because you're right. They've already given that scene to, to Moonstar, which they should. She's the star, right? So, you know, but it kind of leaves the magic character hanging a little bit. I I think there could have been room, but that's just me. Oh, there certainly could have been room. They could have found a different way to do it. My problem with Ileana, uh, and this is mainly probably the director's fault, was that 
the accent was all oh, over the place. God, the accent was not. She she started out strong, I thought, and I was like, oh, did they get a Russian? Because I honestly am not familiar with her. I was surprised as I was looking at IMDb. I was like, oh, she's been in a ton of things I've seen. How did I not make that connection? Um, but I, I kind of thought she was Russian to begin with. But then like almost immediately, you're like, nope, that's somebody doing an <laughs> accent because it just kept coming and going. The same thing happened with Maisie Williams. Like she's supposed yep. to be Scottish and there's a few moments where she's Scottish, but most of the time she's, I don't know what accent she's doing, but it's not British, I guess. It's not Scottish. Yeah. English. Am I British enough for you? Yeah. Something like that. Um, Just to bring it back to magic, you know, I do have a specific uh, beef with, with magic, but actually with the, the screenwriter, you know, and the makers of this movie, because um, she straight up like, uh, hurls racial taunts at Moonstar, um, you know, more than once. And the movie kind of gives a scene where Moonstar confronts her and kind of like stares her down about it or something. But, you know, it's it's kind of unbelievable to me. Like, I, it's, you know, I'm sort of like, you know, how can they write this movie where she throws racial taunts at Moonstar, but, you know, in the end, we're supposed to like her. She's supposed to be one of the good guys. You know what I mean? Um, and I guess I felt like, you know, that particular bit for me was sort of a bridge too far. Um, you know, in the end, like, you know, uh, <clears throat> I kind of see how the character comes around and stuff, but I'm sort of like, that's kind of a red line for me. And I was sort of sort of shocked to see it in the movie. And I thought it was really odd that they would write these scenes where she's basically, like I said, she's hurling racial taunts at Moonstar. But then in the end, she's just supposed to be like a nice person. You know, I'm like, uh, that did not feel very 2020 to me. I'll say that, you know. <laughs> But. Well, this movie was supposed to come out in, what, 2015? Uh, <laughs> so I, I think the answer to that is what you said at the very beginning. This this film seems like it was marketed to teens. So you have to, like, super dumb down, or at least Hollywood thinks you have to super dumb down all your characters and make them kind of the most generic of generics. So she was mean because that's how they were making her mean. And yeah, they... But- they get each other like they they resolve their we never see them actually resolve their beef with each other but we just have to accept they do and this is because this is the audience we're sending it to i think i don't know like i think to the point we were talking about a little earlier like magic was just being mean to moonstar in general and then on top of that she was kind of putting in the racial taunts which was like all right that's that's just that's just straight up teen stuff (laughs) I guess. No, I, I actually disagree, though. I mean, I'll be honest. And this is kind of what struck me watching it. And again, this might be, you know, growing up myself, having a lot of Native friends, you know, like I can't think of another like, you know, anything where that would be acceptable. You know, like another racial group, another minority group of any kind, really another any group where you could like hurl racial taunts at them, you know, like. Uh, if Moonstar had been black, you know, mm-hmm. or Moonstar had been, you know, um, if she had been Latina, like in for they had to hurl racial taunts at her. And then you're supposed to turn around and like the magic character later. Like, I just can't see a movie like, you know, kind of giving that signal out like, oh, it's OK. Like, this is just teens yelling at each other. You know, this, this is the way people talk. Like, I think you're underestimating. That's OK. I think the point that Scott's making, and it's a valid point, is. Oh, it's absolutely valid. I'm not you, disagreeing with you, you make, at all, Scott. If you make Moonstar a, a black uh, character and then you've got magic hurling the N word around the audience, you've lost the audience forever. But for some reason, it's OK for racial slurs against native folks 
and and then be able to kind of come back and be redeemed from that. So that's that's an interesting observation and certainly valid. And I'm not disagreeing with you, Scott. I agree. In real life, absolutely, there would need to be like a major, like, in order for the two of them to to would have to come together in some way and really resolve that. And we would definitely need an apology. I don't even know if we got an apology scene. Probably not. Probably need more than an apology. You're expecting too much from the source material, I guess is what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm not, but I'm not questioning like the material that to me, this goes to the, the screenwriters and the movie makers. Like, to just like not just, use that. The, yeah. Because yeah. She could have said I, can, I agree with you there. You know what I mean? Yep. Do and, do all the other know, mean girl stuff, but you can kind of just stop yeah. before you get to that point because you've already established she's she's kind of mean and she's, uh, you know, as we talked about earlier, that's her. Unless, thing. for all we know, there is another scene that mm-hmm. in the uh, that they filmed where they actually resolve in a way that is acceptable. Maybe it's possible. Who knows I, how so, the cutting room floor goes on this? Yeah, I get like I said, you know my guesstimate is the filmmakers just aren't as sensitive about, you know, native Americans as they should be like, that's just the end of it. You know, I just think that's, and I think that's the reality of our society that people aren't as sensitive and, you know, certainly as they would be around other minority groups, you know? So speaking of native Americans, I did, I wanted to do research. I know Adam beach who played Danny's father is a native American. He's a native, well-known native American actor is blue hunt who played Danny Moonstar was she native? Is she is she native? Does anybody know? I didn't look that up. No, I'm looking on the Wikipedia page, <laughs> and she was born in Sacramento, California. She is Native American and a descendant okay. of the Lakota tribe. Hey, I'm a descendant of the Lakota tribe. Nice. All right. Woo. Go Lakota. <laughs> well, we spent a lot of time talking about those three characters. I guess let's talk about the other guys. Because <laughs> right. really, like. Oh, did we talk about did we talk about Rachel a little? Rain? Oh, is her name not Rachel? Is it really is it Rain? It's Rain. It's Rain. Rachel. Rain Sinclair. Oh, yeah. Okay. Wolf's Bane. Right, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> Although I don't think any of them used their uh, names in the in the movie, their code names. Yeah. Somebody said you really ought to cannonball up or something like that, but that was as close as we got. Yeah. But I mean that's that's that, that's the X-Men universe. Oh, you're you're a real sunspot. <laughs> right, yeah. uh, what about wolf spain i guess i just know if we kind of we actually we brushed around her you know we, we did, talked a little yes. around her and um you know i would just say like i felt like she was like i said earlier i thought she was a little underdeveloped and i thought that um again maybe it's a matter of execution similar to magic where i felt like there were things there you could tell there was something going on with the catholicism and this and that but it was never like you know, it was always kind of at the periphery. I felt like you had to kind of read it in, you know, you had to kind of like see it, uh, you know, t- I guess take it, you know, or sort of assume it at some level, you know. Um, I felt like she got sort of just enough scenes about that to know that there were some hangups around her religion, but not enough to like kind of explain them, you know, or explain where I guess what I was looking for is the scene that would describe where she was at with her religion. Like she was sort of clearly religious mm. and comfortable being religious. But then there are aspects of her being a wolf and a lesbian that, you know, went against her, uh, you know, sort of the teachings of her church. Right. Um, But I don't even know if that was fully spelled out. Like, I think I was just assuming that because because she's portrayed as Catholic. So I was like, okay, you know, plus Um, familiarity with the character might have also kind of because like like Rain, the comic book character is, is very shame based. Yeah. Whereas Rain, the portrayal in the movie 
I don't think there was a sense of shame uh, that much. Like it didn't it didn't overcloud her character the way that it does in the comic book. There's definitely you know uh, scenes in the comics where various you know f- former pastors or priests or whatever they're like, "Oh, rain, cast you out! You're you're the devil spawn!" Right? We get some of that. Um, and they do that a little bit in the movie too, uh, but also in the comic, I feel like there is more internal, like as you're getting to Scott, more internal wrestling with well, where does she fit on her religious spectrum? Is, is she still, you know, devout, or is she leaning away from it, or she, she's kind of torn by like everything that's going on in her life and her upbringing? And I agree, like in the movie, maybe you get a little of that, but you, there was no like follow-up i thought anyways for kind of the kiss like you kind of think that the kiss is going to lead down to something that's going to happen a little bit further in the movie where maybe she turns her back on moonstar and she's like oh no i can't i'm i'm catholic (laughs) and i'll go to hell and then moonstar's like no it's all right like we're here i love you or i like you or whatever the, the the story is and they move on like that doesn't ever happen so you don't get that internal struggle but you do i think see her getting chastised uh from kind of the the horror elements that are being brought into the movie at least that's what i remember i think what you're both saying is that the script wasn't very good <laughs> sort which of. is a valid it's absolutely a valid criticism it wasn't it's a script of deduction like you have to spend a lot of time deducing things rather than being told things you never necessarily like you're never necessarily going to learn all these things that you want to know it's asking more questions than it is giving answers and i i guess i guess i'm more okay with that than you guys you will never know how good or bad the script was because i don't think we got all of it who knows that's <laughs> you know it's a valid point though adam because I, I think that there are parts where that element works for the movie. And I guess there's some parts um, like rain. I thought it, it felt like, you know, there were some missing pieces that like, um, and, and also with magic, just that like um, things were kind of introduced and not circled back to, but as far as it being about deduction and not kind of beating you over the head with the answers to everything, I do feel like I did get a sense about the, the overarching plot of the movie. And I thought it did a good job of sort of like, you you are explained what the plot is, I guess, but I didn't feel like it was like they hit you with a hammer about what it was or about what was going on because it's pretty obvious to begin with anyway, I guess, you know. Yeah. Um, but, you know, but even, you know, Moonstar's kind of struggles, I thought, they're sort of like, they're there, but they're not, um, you know, like you said, I guess, you kind of you kind of have to work a little bit, uh, you have to think about it a little bit, you know. Um, but I guess I felt like with some of these characters, especially with, uh, especially in particular with Rain, I felt like, there were enough elements there to make me think about it, but then, you know, it didn't, there was, there, there wasn't anything there. You know what I mean? Like it kind of felt like it kind of left me hanging. Like, you know, yeah. I mean, you're talking about like elements of characters that make up stronger characters. I mean, characters are built of stories. And the more we know about the characters, the more that we relate to the characters, the more that we feel that there are stronger characters. If we don't necessarily know, what's going on it makes us hard to feel like that's a concrete real character yeah i mean it's yeah i mean it's probably it but then you get scenes that they don't always like where the other elements like the sort of horror and suspense you know and action elements you know it's it's hard for those to sort of work sometimes when you're sort of maybe a little confused about the characters about what's going on with them if that makes sense you know no it totally makes sense i mean 
yeah, it's it's basically script writing one on one. Is your if you don't if you don't relate to your characters and you don't know what's going on, you might not you're not as you're not as invested, and therefore what's what's scary might not be as scary. Yeah, that's. I think I'm trying to think with Rain. I think there's a particular scene where she I think she like runs out of the church and she's like on the ground. Like I think she's like uh, I don't know what she's saying to herself, but I just remember thinking like the scene isn't working for me because I don't have enough information about her to really understand, you know what I mean? To really get what's going on, you know? Um, it's like, I felt like, like you're saying, I could deduce enough based on the fact that like she was, uh, I think at that point they hadn't even shown the priest who comes after her. So I was just assuming she was Catholic based on her accent, you know? <laughs> so, you know, um, but you know, you, you kind of, uh, like I said, I felt like there wasn't enough there for me to really get the importance of that scene. So, yeah. How much did you remember from the comic? Because, like, for me, a lot of the background was filled in by knowing stuff about the characters from the comic, which makes me wonder if somebody coming into this fresh would have any idea what's going on. Yeah, um, I definitely didn't remember enough that I remembered whether her name was Rain or Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> I was definitely thinking, like, isn't her name Rachel? But then she calls herself Rain when she's, like, a wolf or something, right? Isn't that how it works? Like, I mean, no, <laughs> wolf's bane. <laughs> You know, Listen. speaking of the deduction, though, and that gets to Jeremy's point about the CGI a little bit, like, uh, that was missing for her, too. Like, mm-hmm. the yeah. absolute idea that she turned into the dog, like, you know, the audience, you can infer that, but, like, there's some point where you want that inference to be validated, right? You yeah, know? And yeah. It, it kind of never really was, like, no, not just it wasn't. since she didn't turn into the dog, but there wasn't really a scene. I mean, I guess at the end, she kind of turned into the wolf person. The closest but it's not, like, you know? they get to it is at the end that you're talking about, they, she, like, turns and then they cut to her just being the wolf. And you get the impression that, oh, she turned into the wolf, but they didn't have the budget to show it. I thought that there was a scene where, like, she kind of grew hair. Oh, like, a little bit of hair. Like, the hair started CGI-wise coming out of her body. Yeah. Cut away, cut back, and then she's the dog. When she's attacking Doug, Dr. Reyes, yeah. she grows some hair yeah. on the back of her neck. I imagine the script totally called for, like, we're going to have a transformation. It's going to be awesome. And then they got to it, and they're like, nope, cut that out. <laughs> that's interesting, because that's a cut that definitely works against it. Yeah, because her transformation in that scene is, like, what you'd expect out of, like, the second time somebody transforms, right? right? right. Where it's like the second time is shorthand. The audience knows, right? Yep. But the way they... And also just the way the movie set it up, the way the movie kind of like, you know, like strongly hinted that she turned into a wolf, but didn't show you and didn't tell you, kind of kept it tucked away. You know, and even she herself, I think, doesn't express that that's her power. Right. Uh, she's actually a little ominous about her powers, isn't she? So, yeah. Um, so there, no, can, nobody her, actually like, really expresses what their powers were at all in this movie, except for maybe Danny at the end when they, they finally say this is what her power is. All the powers are very like loosely you see Cannonball's power and you kind of get an idea like you, you visually see it. You never like understand what it is. Uh, Sunspot's power is like a big secret, which you never really are made clear what exactly is going on. Does he ever do his power, like turn into like the, the big super hot? Yeah. Towards at the, at the very end when he's fighting the demon bear. He finally lets loose, I think. He uh, finally lets loose. He does loose. earlier in the pool too. Yeah, but I don't think you see much. I think that's the point. Is you're supposed it's supposed to be sort of a mystery as to like what happened in the pool room, or I think yeah, in the yeah. pool he comes out of the pool and he's fully sunspotted, and then that's when the doctor pushes him into the pool, okay. which was pretty funny. That was really funny. That <laughs> was hilarious. <laughs> uh yeah. So let's maybe talk about um, let's talk about Sam Guthrie, Cannonball. So 
the guy that plays him was the, the kid that was on uh, Stranger Things, and 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 you know, it took me a minute to like, oh yeah, that's the kid from Stranger Things, and I thought he either is no, he's an English actor. It says here on Wikipedia. I thought his accent was great. <laughs> I didn't think there was the same accent problems as some of the other characters had where he's oh, kind of like oh, deep I south. Did. Oh, you did? Okay. Now, yeah. again, it, it's been like a month and a half since I've seen the movie, so maybe I'm not remembering things quite clear. It was a bit of a lo- local yokel sort of thing, but it wasn't consistent. Okay. I didn't I didn't care which direction he was going to go with it, but he just didn't stick to that whatever direction he was trying to pull out. I was like, oh, okay, you're not you're not quite that deep south anymore. It kind of bounce back and forth. Look wise, he definitely doesn't look the part of Cannonball, but I guess I I thought he did. I mean, Cannonball in the comics is like seven feet tall and super skinny or or whatever. But they're never going to find a guy that that's going to meet those characteristics. Uh, well, they, maybe they could, but I feel like for the for the casting, I thought like kind of the face and kind of the the local yokel thing that you're just talking about. I thought that all fit pretty well. Um, he just didn't really have the height of what I would expect a cannonball to have, but I didn't think that was a big deal. Yeah. I wasn't even thinking about the height. It's mainly the hat. I think the hat bugged me. <laughs> well, I definitely agree about the, um, the local yokel bit. I, I would, I don't really remember that from the comics at all. I'm like, maybe he, uh, was Southern in the comics. I, I didn't remember that. And I did think that, especially in the early scenes, like he came off as very dim witted, like, you know, not just like that. He's got a Southern accent, but that like, he's like that stereotype of like the dim witted, you know, yokel Southerner from the Hills or whatever the heck, you know what I mean? Like, um, and I thought that was a little like, an like, I just thought that was odd, you know, that's kind of his arc from the comic is that he's not very right he's like a coal miner family uh there's a story about like doesn't his dad die in the coal mine or something which he has the same origin which is he he accidentally kills his family but part of his arc is being kind of i don't want to say slow like he's not you know slow but he's 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 definitely kind of uh stereotyped as kind of southern yoke yokel we'll just go there um but his arc in the comic is that he ultimately becomes either co-leader uh, or leader of the new mutants and kind of is able to overcome kind of either that stereotype or get a little bit more streetwise and and kind of help lead the team because ultimately in the comics i think it's it's him and, and moonstar that kind of take co-leadership uh duties uh for the new mutants and i think he's always kind of like "Ooh, i'm i'm just not cut out for this i'm not very good at this but the professor believes in him. Magneto later on believes in him. I might be crossing some wires. I'm really good because one of my notes under Cannonball here says, wasn't he more of the leader of the group in the comic? <laughs> yes. So, I'm glad I remembered that because I was like, I thought he was the leader. And I guess that's what I struck me is like, I felt like in the early scenes, especially he played the character as like, like not like naive or, you know, maybe a little bit country. He played him as stupid, you know, <laughs> as like dumb. Like, you know what I mean? Um, and it changes as the movie goes on. He does not come off that way anymore. But I thought in some of the early scenes that it was played like kind of like that. And I was like, Ugh, you know, this is weird because I remember him again being the leader of the group. He's one of the nicest characters you meet at the beginning of the movie. Right. Like Sunspot's like just completely unapproachable. I guess Rain's probably the nicest character. Uh, but then you got Magic, who we've already spent a lot of time talking about. And this guy is just kind of like there, not not mean 
Um, so he's got that going for him. So yeah. like the, the the issue I had with him with being the country bumpkin, he doesn't. He kind of looks like he's supposed to be the film's bad boy. Mm. Like he he has that sort of stereotype kind of messy hair, pulled down hat, keeps to himself. Mm-hmm. He has that kind of uh, like a high school loner sort mm-hmm. of well, thing. That's his role in Stranger Things, right? Right, and and that just that might that just might be it. Is that I'm just I can't take him outside of Stranger Things and see him as somebody else. The actor has that look in his eyes. I'll say that he He does certainly portray that kind of loner look, and maybe almost maybe maybe they told him to go with it. Maybe that's why they casted him, or maybe he had to like fight against the inert look in his eyes as of a loner. Maybe yeah, that's the only acting he's able to do. The, there's a reason he was cast as the character he was cast in in Stranger Things, right? Like he's definitely yeah. got the look of that character where you're like, oh, I don't know, this guy might be off uh, center here. He could go off at any moment. I'll give the movie this. Like that's like again, I I don't like the loner stuff is not really the character from um, the comics that I remember, but it is a character that fits very neatly in this movie. You know, this is the movie about the teen misfits that are all sort of stuck together, you know. And so for him to kind of play more of the loner makes sense. And then if he was more of the nice guy who's the team leader because they all like him, that character would be really awkward in this movie, you know, right? Like, I guess the fact though that's Moonstar in the movie anyway, you know, but like imagine if he was really approachable and nice, right? Then like, how would he fit? You know what I mean? Like, that would be weird. Yeah, I didn't, I don't know, I didn't have too many problems with them. I, I feel like they borrowed enough story elements from the comics for me to, as a as a comic book person, to be like, yep, that's that's Cannonball, we can move on. I didn't really think he was much, I didn't really think he had much to do. And, and maybe it's just because it's been so long since I've seen the movie. But obviously his power comes into play at some point, right? It's, a, yeah. it's shown early on, and then it also comes in again at the uh, big demon bear at the end. Yeah, so I, I honestly, like, I don't have a ton to say about him. He was there. I, I thought he was a serviceable cannonball, and that's kind of the way I feel about uh, Sunspot, too. It's like, okay, he's got story elements from the comic. Uh, he's a serviceable Sunspot. But the other thing is, like, I never cared really about these two characters ever <laughs> so maybe huh. that helped kind of color my like I, I, we can move on from them and let's let's focus our attention back to rain moonstar and magic because really those are from this movie's perspective and even just kind of the character's perspective in the comics those are the ones that stood out for me that's also the fault of the the film i mean if they wanted to make an interesting story about cannonball and roberto they probably could have but they didn't know I don't know. It's again, the flaw of this seems to be that we're coming up with is the, the script itself is just not good enough. Well, I'll say this. I thought Cannonball, like his whole deal is explained. And I thought the same thing. Um, I guess you guys are right about the power with Sunspot, which is it was explained, but it was it's it was almost explained in a throwaway line that if you went to the bathroom during that scene, you I mean, it was so short. Right. It was and, fairly obvious. Like when he said it, it wasn't like. Oh, that's a big reveal. It's a surprise. So I guess, I guess they gave you enough to like figure that out, even if he didn't outright say it. So yeah, I guess, I guess you're right. I just yeah, because I mean, from perspective, like I didn't find them confusing in the way I found Rain and Magic a little confusing. I felt like 
I got it. Like, I feel like the movie, you know, explained to me what there was about those characters, those two characters, you know. Exactly. I, the throwaway line that you're talking about for Cannonball is all I needed for magic. And then I think she becomes a far more complete character. Problem is you can't do a throwaway line with magic. You have to do a throwaway minute. I think a good enough writer could do a good throwaway line. <laughs> you're probably you're probably right. Uh, yeah. So what what does anybody have? Uh, sun sunspots. Uh, apparently, uh, a mean guy who's who's kind of a hornball too. He was fairly accurate to the portrayal in the comic book. He didn't quite look the part for me. Um, oh, and the big internet thing that Scott alluded to before was that he wasn't tan enough. Which oh, really? the one the one thing the one thing that you remember about brazilian roberto he has kind of the brazilian tan okay and this actor although he is a native brazilian does not have that skin tone and i think people were upset by that see i always thought the comics like i didn't think that they were trying to make roberto black i just thought that they were limited by the inks that they could use so they're like he's darker complexion and this is like the next dark we have is is uh white people color and then brown, <laughs> right? Like, so I never really, like, I know he was colored that way in the comics, but I just thought it was a limitation of the format. What did you hear about this, Scott? Exactly what you said. And the only thing I'll add, though, is that, like, um, my memory from the comics is that it is part of his character, that he's darker skinned and that he faced discrimination in Brazil because of that. Hmm. Um, that is, like, one of the few things I remember about the character. Because I remember as a kid being like, oh, they got that racism thing down there in Brazil too, you know? Like, I remember that being like kind of a surprise in a way, you know, like, oh, you know, like, you know, I hadn't really thought about that before, right? So um, so I remember that coming out of the comic. Um, so, you know, uh, and I guess the contrary as far as the casting, um, yeah, I think it's just like the director or whatever just said like, oh, I, I interviewed hundreds of dark-skinned Brazilians, you know, but I just couldn't find one that was any good, but I found this guy Johnny or whatever, he's great, you know? <laughs> It's sort of like, uh, you know, you were better off before you said that. You know? Yeah, <laughs> I was not aware of any of that stuff uh, from the comics. I do remember uh, Sunspot had an attitude. His parents were rich uh, and he he also had an attitude about that, which I think they they kind of pulled into the movie because it wasn't he talking about like like his dad and, and the power that his dad had or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Some dad issues. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I didn't. I didn't hear anything about this. This whole internet uh, sunspot too white. Because that's part of the character's backstory. They've sort of by casting this particular actor there, they can't do that story in the future. You know what I mean? It's like they've kind of like shut off part of the character that was there in the comic. You know, so it, you know it has that element also to it, I guess. Which is that like as a casting decision, it also turns out to be a story decision for you know New Mutants too, which they're not going to make anyway. But you know what I mean? Like <laughs> right, it is. You know, there is something there that's sort of like, oh, this was part of the character. When they were writing and casting that movie, uh, they were not aware probably of the Disney deal. And so certainly would be writing a lot of this with sequels in mind. So I guess I don't really remember uh, Roberto being hung up about uh, his skin color in Brazil. But I guess it's, it's not surprising because I think there were a number of those early issues where uh, he did bring up some stuff about Brazil. But I guess I just don't really remember it. The thing where I, that I feel like they dropped the ball was that Roberto is a funny, cocky character, and in this he really wasn't. He was he, in some places he was played for comedy relief, 
but that's not what it means to be a funny, cocky character. They wrote him to be Hollywood cocky funny, and it didn't work. Like you said, he was rich, and that's about it. That was his character. He was rich, and he knew he was rich. But, and he was kind of a jerk about it. And he was, Yeah, he was kind of a jerk, but he wasn't funny. No. He wasn't cocky. I mean, and 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 like it's very it's like Spider-Man cocky, like you wouldn't think of Spider-Man as a cocky sort of jerk sort of character, but he is sort of cocky in that he's able to throw those zingers left and right. You know, he's got a he's got a certain sense about him, and I think Roberto has that same Spider-Man cockiness that you didn't see in this movie at all. Yeah, I think the um, talking about the. There's like a there's one scene where they're like supposed to meditate or something, and he's kind of peeking around, you know, while they're all supposed to be like uh, meditating or something. Yeah, that, that's that. a good cocky sort of comedy thing. That's that's good. That's good, Roberto. Yeah, I I was thinking that when I saw. I remember thinking like this is like like just to your point, like yeah, that that's more. Whereas like earlier on, I think he was more abrasive, you know, um, than like funny or anything. And then you're right, like later, some of the stuff that happens with him or some of the lines he gets are just comic relief lines, right? I'm thinking specifically at the end where he's cowering and he's like, what are you doing? Just cowering? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So what any any final thoughts or additional thoughts about our, our main, f- what, five characters here? Well, we didn't talk about Danny at all. Oh, <laughs> the main character. Which is fair because, like, honestly, there wasn't much to talk about. She was there. So, yeah. So, Danny, it, it, like, we get our opening scene where the village is under attack. Uh, I think the the spirit bear shows up. Her dad is killed, uh, and then she wakes up in this institute. Uh, or did or either hospital. of you get get the idea that they instead of a giant demon bear, they were being attacked by sentinels? No. No. At the end? No, at the at the very beginning. Oh, interesting. Because I at the end, that's actually what I thought it was going to be. I didn't connect the dots that it was going to be the uh, the spirit bear. Oh, no, I, I, I kind of worked it all out. Like I think maybe that story was fresh enough on my brain that when they showed the scenes or however they executed that intro scene, I was like, I, I think I know what's happening. I agree with you. Once, once she was in the woods being chased by something, I was like, "Okay, that's the demon bear. That's where we're going with okay. this." But before that, I was like, "Ooh, are sentinels attacking this like little mutant reservation?" No, I never got that vibe at all. I just figured like <laughs> an action scene is starting this movie out. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. you know that might make sense though. Like Adam, that probably makes more sense in the context because they know she's a mutant. They're going to get her. You know what I mean? Yeah. Then maybe they just tell her. You know, they just want to put it on her to make her crazy so they can control her or whatever. So they just tell her, yeah, you killed the whole, you know. That would have been a cool thing to just do in the movie is, is the Sentinels aren't front uh, of the movie, but but they are kind of the enforcers of this hospital. So to have them at the beginning kind of kick things off and then maybe have them show up at the very end to kind of keep them in, that would have, have been cool. But they didn't do that. The scene that I thought we were going to get is when – so Danny's picking apart everybody's fears, and we get to see all of our main characters' fears. I thought she would turn the doctor's fears against her, and that her greatest fear would be Mr. Sinister, and we would get a Mr. Sinister reveal. Oh my I was really hoping Whoa. that we were going to get that. And it wouldn't be anything more than just this, like a reveal. It's like, oh, that's what he looks like, and then he's not really there. So yeah, I really thought we were going to get that. That would have been cool. I wondered that same thing watching the movie was 
why does the doctor's fears never come out you know yeah like, you know but i guess they allude to the doctor has psychic powers so maybe she's you know can shield herself i mean she's obviously must have some powers because she handles all these crazy mutants all day long and well, she's you know. got the bubbles she's the bubble lady yeah puts them so, all in bubbles at some point that was you know and i'll say in watching the movie that didn't really strike me it was sort of like at the end when you go oh yeah this person's fear was this and this person's fear was this and you go well, what was the doctor's fear and then you realize oh that, that you know that never happened and, mm-hmm. oh i i thought it was going to happen when she was choking the life out of her in her bubble i was right. like oh, oh she's going to turn her fear against her during this scene where she's killing her and i was like and then the demon bear shows up and i was like oh well i guess i guess not they went this route which is valid but you know could have been interesting. Um, so I guess the thing about Moonstar is that, uh, you know, if she is a little bland, she's sort of the stand in for the audience in the movie, right? Like yeah. you go through the movie through her eyes. And I thought that, uh, you know, so I thought she worked from that perspective as sort of a, a stand in for the audience. You know, if she had had one of the strong personalities that the other characters have, you know, she wouldn't have worked, right? Like if it had followed um, magic through the movie you know, that would have been hard on the audience, right? Mm-hmm. This, uh, yeah, she was, she was great. I liked her a lot. Uh, a good actress. Uh, I'm just looking at her Wikipedia here. Uh, before new mutants in 2015, she was in a short film called one block away and she's had what looks like five different television appearances. So hmm. I don't know. Good for her to kind of pick up the, the, the reins of a, I don't know, somewhat, obscure movie i don't know or, or whatever you want to call this new mutants movie and and i don't know do a do a pretty good job uh leading it and 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 you're right though i mean from a writing perspective she didn't get like the bears wow the bear's not that interesting uh and so it kind of like everybody else most everybody else seems to have like an interesting thing that's going on for them uh and 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 moonstar is the catalyst for all those things which i think is supposed to be the interesting element. Um, but I don't know. I think you're too busy paying attention to what's happening to those other characters to connect back to like, all of this is from Moonstar. Um, I don't know. So for, from a writing perspective, I think she was a bit bland again. Yeah. It's a writing perspective. I think in, you can make, you can make a film where the bear is interesting. Yeah. It's not just a giant bear. The CGI of the bear was not top notch as as we talked about CGI. So, I, you know, I think we're consistent in saying that script wise and and CGI wise are where the the film kind of lets us down. Yeah, I wish that they wouldn't have gone for realism on the bear. I wish they would have like taken a page from uh, Sienkiewicz's is run and just like do some like absolutely giant scary demon bear you don't have to do like a ton of it you just need like a couple of flashes of this thing and and maybe like a music sting and then bring it back the kids are like ah, and then they run um but you no, make you... the the bear more more style than substance he's yes. like just this the scary idea of a thing and then when you finally see it he's just like the, the same way we think of warlock who's just this mesh of interconnected weirdness the bear is could be kind of like this sketchy, messy animation bear that yeah could be scary. I, I was just gonna say, you know, talking about the bear and her story arc. Um, I guess I feel like what's missing is sort of, you know, her struggling with her fear throughout the movie and then conquering it at the end. You know, um. It's like the bear very much sort of shows up at the beginning. At that point, you don't know it's the bear, you know, 
Um, uh, and as Adam alluded, perhaps it was the Sentinels, you know. Um, but then she kind of goes through the movie and, you know, she talks a little about being afraid of the dark and stuff. But, you know, it's not an active struggle as she goes through the movie. Um, and then she gets to the end. And I feel like that's that's where her characters hurt a little as the lead is it at the end, which should be the big moment in the movie, which is her and her dad talking. And then she sort of chooses life or whatever. You know, I felt like that scene, you know just didn't have the impact that it needed to have because there really wasn't much setup before that. To be honest, I don't even understand what the bear was her big fear. You know, like I didn't really get that. The other characters, I felt like their big fears much more directly connected, right? Like Roberto, he like burned his girlfriend. He's afraid he's going to do it again. He has a nightmare where he's going to do it again. Right. Uh, you know, magic is afraid of the demons. They chase her around. Um, a cannonball's afraid about having killed his dad, you know, and I, I guess he relives it in a dream or something. And he's also afraid of the laundry machine or whatever the hell that scene was. Um, yeah, that was you know, <laughs> but they kind of, you know, they're going through it. And uh, obviously Rain is afraid of the priest. Right. And then she encounters him, and, you know, through, through the movie, even her, you see her struggling, you know, um, with like her religion and, you know, how that conflicts with what she is. Um, and again, I thought that was, you know, terribly undercooked. But. I kind of thought Moonstar, like, you know, what she struggles with the whole movie is figuring out what the hell is going on. Like, where is she? What is this place? Right? Like, yeah, you know, she's like the Harry her. Potter of the movie. Yeah. So. Yeah, right. Yeah. The bear was a lot. There's there was a line in the movie somewhere where she's like this. The spirit bear is a symbol of our, our tribe or something. And something it's been a while since i've seen the movie they did a lot better of a job kind of explaining like the significance of that bear in the comics um but i think because they didn't i don't know because they didn't give us a little bit more um story well, around the, the bear the problem, the problem is the script again where yeah they want they wanted to they didn't want to tell you what was going on so in order to do that they had to hide from you what danny was going through i disagree though i think I think that in in hindsight, like it, they should have. Well, I'm not saying they made a valid choice. Okay. I'm saying they made they made the incorrect choice. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm saying it's it's a flaw of the script. Yeah, that they wanted to keep it a secret, and instead they they did that, but they sacrificed uh, knowledge for us that we should have known earlier. Well, I think yeah, I think um for the like for us we already kind of know what's happening as soon as we see the bear, as soon as we see Danny, as soon as we know her power set. Like we, the comic book readers pretty much know what's happening and, and that's probably okay i think what the movie as you said the movie was trying to kind of uh hide the fact that danny was the the culprit to all of these these scary things that were happening and they could have had danny also being chased down periodically through the movie by the spirit bear uh and that wouldn't have like sacrificed the mystery or or a possible impact of the the realization that well, this is Danny's powers. Like we know what everybody else's powers. We haven't really learned what Danny's powers are, but surprise, she manifests your fears, and that's what's been happening this whole time. Yeah. So. Yeah. To be honest, I think it would it would deepen it, right? It's, it would further hide that she's the culprit if she's also experiencing it, right? Mm -hmm. Definitely. Mm -hmm. So maybe they did it because they felt like that's what's going to help you deduce that she's the culprit. I don't know, but it's you know she could have, and it could have been pretty subtle. She could have just you know had visions of the bear, or seen the bear, you know the. The movie thing, she sees the spooky bear and then she looks away and she looks back and it's gone. You know, yep. something stupid like that. Absolutely. So like 
So that at least when the bear came at the end as an audience, there's a callback, right? You're like, ah, oh, it's like now the bear, you know what I mean? Whereas, yeah, the bear, it just sort of shows up. And uh, I didn't really remember it that much from the comics. I, I guess I got it when the bear showed up. I was like, oh, yeah, that bear. But <laughs> I thought it was going to be Sentinels that busted through the walls, you know? So That would have been cool. <laughs> um, or but like Sentinel say, bears. <laughs> I don't know about that. She talks about the significance of the bear and, like, like – you know, she gives a story and her dad, you know, her dad talked to her about like the two bears inside of every person. And I guess, like I said, I guess what I felt like was missing was like her struggling with that. Like, I didn't understand, you know what I mean? Like how that connected to her and her story arc. I got that it was a thing and a story her dad told her and the bear. And then there's also the bear she wears on her neck. That is something to being afraid of the dark. But, you know, it's sort of like when that bear comes at the end, it didn't feel like the resolution of some internal struggle that had been building in her or going on in her the whole time. You hit the nail on the head when you said that she was a stand-in for the audience, and that makes her a very passive character in that she is mostly just told what is going on, and she doesn't really have any action throughout. Where What makes her like not like Harry Potter is that at some point Harry Potter becomes an active participant in what's going on and not just a passive participant. Right. And she never really makes that change to actually having some sort of... Uh, actual meaningful action in the film like you're saying yep we need that character to bring in us into the world but at some point we need that character to also be affected by the things that are happening in the world and as long as it's been written well enough and as long as enough of 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 the tour has been given to us from from this person's uh eyes now we can relate to it and now we can uh empathize with what's all happening to our main character and we didn't get that here and like like you said, we don't know if we got the final script or not. So I don't know whether to blame the script or blame the edit. Probably both. There would have been a lot that would needed to have been removed to put in the kind of stuff I'm talking about, the kind of context I'm talking about to the character. I, I... Well, going back to what I said early on, like imagine, not that it would have been a good thing, but like could they, in your opinion, have done the things you're talking about if another 30 minutes of movie existed? I don't think you need 30, maybe 10. Cool. <laughs> wow, you get, man. You know what? Cut cut, cut yeah. out 10 minutes at the beginning and add 10 minutes of the, uh, like just talking about stuff, and you're you're good. You're really using my own words against me here, Jeremy, because you know it would kill me if that movie was 30 minutes longer. Like, it's the last thing I want. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I'm loath to say that, that that might have helped. Maybe it would have. You know? <laughs> like I said, I felt like the ending fell flat because of the lack of that stuff. But they they equally could have changed the ending, you know, Mm -hmm. I'll say this about the ending. Um, you know, I thought the final confrontation, which was the least, you know, that's when it switches to superhero movie from mm -hmm. horror movie. And I thought in a lot of ways it was sort of the least successful part of the movie. And the reason I thought that is that it's just sort of the characters one by one trying to use their powers against the bear and failing. And then in the end, you know, Moonstar chooses life and it all ends. <laughs> And you could tell very quickly that that's what it was going to be. And, you know, what I was looking for was more of a group dynamic. Now the characters are going to work together as a team, you know what I mean, and help Moonstar out. And I don't think I really even saw that, you know. Yeah. Even, is Rain even part of, like, is Rain calling her back? Is that even part of, like, you know what I mean, her coming back and choosing life or whatever? Like, I believe so, yeah. 
that's so that's about as much as you get, I think, you know. Um, but, but you're absolutely right. That team dynamic would have been fun to see, like Cannonball step up and say, OK, Sunspot, do this. You mm-hmm. do this. You do that. You do that. Yeah. Yeah. Throughout the entire movie, they've been hesitant to use their powers because of all the awful things their powers have done. And now to save their friend, uh, they, they step up, they step past themselves. They use their powers. They do teamwork uh, and, and they grow like that's what you're supposed to do right. in a movie, right? That's yeah, and I guess they did half of that because you're right. Well, they're not all loath to use their powers, right? Magic, you get the sense yeah, when you sure. use them a lot more if you could. But still, yeah, like they do, they bust them out. But what they don't pick up is the team element, which is actually what the character Magic needed the most, right? Like she's the one that most needs to come to the team, right? Because she's so abrasive at the beginning, you know? So you need that moment at the end when, yeah, they kind of all like, you know, join up and then they're helping Moonstar because they like Moonstar, you know? Um, and, you know. And they care about her or whatever. Yeah. Yep. In this, they, I don't know that they ever come together, but you know, they, they resolve the problem because the movie needed them to <laughs> not because of any sort of lessons learned or, or character growth. Right. Yeah. They don't. And I guess I felt like that made the climax, like really kind of like dull and kind of um, a little confusing in a sense too, where one by one, the characters go to attack the bear and they're sort of just so, you know, they're sort of so rebuffed that it's like anticlimactic, you know, um, especially magic, you know, because she's, she's the only one who has character growth or at least character change, which is probably unearned. But go ahead. Yeah. But just in terms of that final scene, like, you know, like Jeremy alluded to earlier, like she comes out with the dragon and I mean, she looks like she's ready to throw down. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like somehow she just kind of doesn't you know like i I don't even remember how it plays out except that she basically just doesn't like she attacks a bear and she's not good enough and once you realize that magic was not good enough that you know the other characters are going to do it you know what i mean like you know Mm -hmm. so you know sunspot shows up and i think there's actually a weird bit of editing with cannonball because i think like he obviously has a moment where he decides to use his powers to go help his friend you know um and that's actually you know that's kind of nice right but then um he shoots off the screen and then he disappears for a little while and a bunch of stuff happens with the bear and then he comes flying on the screen, you know? Yeah. So, I noticed that too. It was weird. Cause it's like, all right, we're going to follow Oh Nope. We're doing this. Okay. We're over yeah. here now. And then he flies on screen and then he's just, you know, I don't even know if the bear like to swat him away or something. I mean, he's just done in like moments, you know, and it, it's weird. It's like, um, you know, I don't know. It made me think of the comments you were making the other day about the star Wars Mandalorian where everybody's all badass. And I thought this movie kind of had that weird, like, the weird badass problem like each character you're like now there's a moment when they're going to be badass but none of them can be that badass because if they were they would just beat up the bear and the movie will be over and the movie can't end quite yet you know what i mean so you just sit there one by one and watch them all not be badass enough you know it's weird how many times did you just say badass in under a minute (laughs) (laughs) that's impressive this is a Interesting. So I'm kind of looking at the development of this movie in uh, the Wikipedia article. Uh, And what it says here is that the director, Josh Boone, when he was a kid, took panels from Claremont and Sienkiewicz's run to storyboard what a potential film trilogy would look like. And then later on in life, took that to some folks that were working on one of the X-Men movies and they liked it. And... He was signed on to do the New Mutants, and he also sent the script and his comic storyboard to Bill Sienkiewicz, who who liked it. 
Hmm. So there, 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 that's that is why we have the spirit bear is because this guy Josh Boone liked that arc and had had this planned out since he was a kid. So the the question now that I have, the thing that's kind of opened up in my mind is now that he's made his movie, and I don't know how many movies this guy's directed. It looks like just a handful, uh, maybe maybe eight movies. Um, since that's come full circle, and he's watched the final product. Is he happy or is he sad? Because I imagine like he came to this with like, he probably was like, I want a movie that looks like Bill Sienkiewicz art. It's going to be like dark and like crazy angles and skewed views. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and it's going to be like really horrific. And we're going to have some mutant powers and we're going to combine these elements. Uh, and it all circles around Danny Moonstar and his power to project emotions and, and, and fears and whatnot. And then the, the studio is probably like, hmm, could you, could you make the shots a little bit more colorful? And hey, could you bring that angle in a little bit? And, and, and you know, was he noted to death? And then, you know, the, the reshoots and the script problems and then the development or the, the release problems. You know, does he get to the debut in COVID, sadly, uh, and, and sit in his movie theater like, finally, I'm watching the movie that I've had in my mind since I was a kid. And as he watched this and he goes, oh, Hollywood. So to add to what you're saying, he also, I think, wanted to, like I've read somewhere that he wanted it to be more of a horror film and yes. the studio stepped in and made it less of a horror film. So I I, I don't have an answer to your question. I mean, my guess is well, like, I'm asking oh, you I'm, to speculate. I'm glad I made the movie. I'm glad it's finished. I'm glad it exists. It's not what I wanted it to be. And it's that sort of thing. You know, we've all had things in our lives that don't quite meet up to our expectations. That's true. That's that's probably how he feels about it. It's like, you know, there are things I wish I could have done better. I wish I had more control over what to to make the vision that I wanted to make. But it looks like he went on. He's doing a the stand TV series. Uh, <laughs> that's so, weird. So good for him. I I don't think this movie is a like you know go home and cry kind of thing for the makers. I mean you know I I actually thought it came off pretty well. You know like even though we just picked apart for however long here, like I don't think it was a disaster by any means. I, I think you know there are definitely elements that work to it. You know um, so you know I don't think like I don't know, but I guess just thinking in terms of the perspective of the the creator, he probably is bummed because almost certainly this is not the vision that he harbored since he was a kid and made storyboards. You know what I mean? Out of like, <laughs> like cutting up comic panels. Like that's a long time to have a, a vision burning in your head, you know, and the likelihood that this thing, you know, even approximates that vision is probably fairly low. That's true. Um, but you know, at the same time, I don't think he has to like, you know, think like, Oh dang it. You know what a stinker or whatever, you know, I think he can be proud that, you know, he pulled off what he did. Um, I mean, it's certainly unique, right? I mean, in the pantheon of superhero movies is plenty unique. You know, there isn't really another one like this. Um, and it's and, and I don't think any of us are saying that it's bad. No, it's like I, I didn't walk away from it thinking like, oh, that was a stink fest. No, 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 I guess not. But I, I, I guess I'm going towards the angle of like what Scott was just saying of like having this idea built up in your head for so long and then getting into the system and, and thinking like, oh, my gosh, they read my comic. They read my storyboard. They like the direction. We're going to do this thing. And then and then to kind of get, you know. Uh, watered down and then edited and and then reshoots and all that sort of stuff. I just wonder if it, I mean, I'm sure it was a letdown, but I wonder if it was like, oh man, I wish we would have never even started this adventure. I'm sure by the time that he saw it and screened it, he knew like it was probably a step-by-step disappointment. Sure, sure. Like, 
first was like, oh, this is happening. This is happening. Wait, wait, you're going to make me. OK, OK, we can work with that. Uh, oh, no, we have to do this. Oh, man. OK, OK. Yeah. It's not quite what I wanted, but let's go forward with it. Um, wait, you're doing what? Wait, you get the final edit? Wait, what? <laughs> That's an interesting question. Did it ever move so far from his original vision that, you know, he would sort of be very upset about it or, or not happy with it? You know, that's because, you know, there's degrees there, right? There's mm-hmm. sort of not what you always dreamed of, but you're still happy about it. And you're still, you know, proud of what you pulled off. And then there's like the studio messed this up and I'm mad as hell. You know, it's, <laughs> it's interesting, right? He's probably not mad as hell. He, he got paid. He probably didn't get the thing that he wanted to make out of it. But he probably also gets the satisfaction of being like, you know, they were never going to make a new mutants movie until I stepped up and showed him this. And while it's not exactly what I imagined, I got a new mutants movie made and maybe that's just good enough. And we don't know anything about this guy. No. I mean, he could be like, he might not even be all that much of an artist where he's just like, Hey, I made a movie. It's awesome. I love it. <laughs> you know, I didn't get to do everything I wanted to do, but look at what I did do. Yeah, so, yeah. so real quick. Um, I think the, the only, final element that that's really on my mind and adam you kind of alluded to it earlier were the smiley face guys which seemed to to me to be the only element that didn't have a comic reference so it it did and it didn't like there were definitely smiley face you know uh robot guys in new mutants and i don't know if this was like i don't think it was a reference to that you think it was just like a coincidence there but the thing that disappointed me about them is, like, I, I think th- they were uh, Ileana's demons, right? Like, there was no variety. As I mentioned before, like, the whole copy and paste aspect. Like, I would expect, you know, if they're going to do that with magic, they they would bring, like, a cavalcade of, like, random demons to, to kind of chase her around uh, and not just do the creepy Slender Man thing. So I thought that was disappointing. Huh. Yeah, it, it felt just... like a budgetary decision. Yeah. I guess that didn't bother me too much that they were sort of all the same. I guess I just sort of accepted that. Um, but I would definitely agree. Like the smiley face thing was weird in that. Um, and I'm going to circle right back to the magic discussion. You know, that I just feel like that just felt like not really explained. I mean, I think she said something at one point, like I put smiley faces on them or something. Uh, it's like, yeah. okay. Like, how does that work? What is this? You know what I mean? Like, so I definitely think that um, that was kind of one of the things about her character that sort of, you, you felt like a little left hanging. Like it was, you know see i didn't even catch that she put smiley faces on him i was just like well their masks serve no purposes other than to, than to be like a reveal later no she she definitely does does say okay. that um so they wrote a quick little blurb around how they were going to do a reveal later i think you know as i've been thinking about this you know i think it's a gamble to put magic in a movie because she's got such a complex and convoluted story well you simplify well, yeah. You don't but, even try to tell the con. You take one aspect of I it. I disagree with that. Well, if you're going to do that, then you end up with um, Rogue, who you never do the whole Carol Danvers thing, right? She absorbs powers, and that's it, right? You don't have her flying around and super strong, and that makes sense because you chose just one power set. It's easy to explain. You have to go into all this complicated backstory, uh, and you can do your movie. But with this magic, they didn't just make a girl that can teleport, which is what that's her mutant power. The soul sword and and all of the the armor and the horns, that's the demon stuff that she got when she was trapped in limbo uh, as a child. So they brought all of those elements, which I think was great because it makes that character a lot more interesting than a character that can just teleport. But it's such a gamble to take that complex of a character, put him in a movie, have her do those things but then not kind of give you a little bit more 
as to like why these things are happening outside of just a few like really throwaway lines of like we went to a make-believe place and i put smiley faces on these people that's my biggest mm-hmm. problem i think i feel like if they could have figured out a way to, to shoehorn or squeeze in the the minute you needed to to, to give us just a, a hint not you don't have to show us you don't have to create like an elaborate set piece but just to give us like i was stuck in this 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 demon place and it boy it sucked and the only way to survive was you know to learn and you can even keep that vague and and the thing that she learned was sorcery and we can see that later we don't have to go into all of the nuance i think is my biggest hang up and i guess this is the point where i disagree with both of you <laughs> and i just like for me it was enough i, I didn't need more um but you know everybody's different I'll, I'll i'll take the uh, yet another angle like maybe it needed less like yeah maybe maybe it needed even less of her because I, I feel like where i really agree with jeremy is that i feel like she's featured very centrally you know she's sort of she probably gets the most screen time of the non-moon star characters um and you know and she has such a strong personality and you know she's so abrasive at the beginning and you have to warm up to her to like her by the end of the movie because you need to like everybody because they're the superhero team um and you know um i feel like because of that then maybe you're left wanting like more of an explanation of her background and then also her background with the demons and everything that's the really spooky stuff that happens you know so as far as the spooky stuff that happens the horror elements they're a lot centered around her um you know more so than the other characters uh so i don't you know i don't know how they thread that needle but it seems like you know um as an audience you kind of want more explanation you know or you want at least a simple explanation or something you know you want more than whatever you got and i feel like what you got was confusing and so maybe you should have gotten less and then it would be less confusing it's it's um, the conundrum of, of lost you know the the, <laughs> the the series of lost where everybody wanted answers but anybody actually watching the show was like they're not going to give us answers it's pretty obvious from watching six years of the show that the show is not about answers it's about asking questions and so for all of those people to turn around and say, well, they didn't give us answers. It's like they weren't ever going to give us answers. And they gave us way more answers than we really needed. So maybe, I don't know, I'll make this my final thought on, on magic. I, I, I am I'm maybe coming around to, to, to what Scott's saying in that they could have had magic doing all of the magic stuff, done none of the backstory, maybe have the characters ask like how do you do that or boy that's a that's a bigger mutant power than i've ever seen and and maybe each time Ileana's about to answer the question like more chaos ensues and they have to like switch their attention and what that does then is it it creates the mystery creates maybe a little bit of an allure uh, and maybe makes all of that stuff a little bit more interesting and exciting and it also in a world where Disney doesn't buy Fox, like sets up a sequel where maybe the second movie is all about magic, all about limbo. And you get kind of a bigger story with the new mutants team. Yeah. And, yeah. and they got to team up against like, uh, Ileana's past basically. And that could have been, uh, probably more satisfying to do it that way. I dig that. I also like the idea that she tells everybody a different story. So, you know, she's oh, just sure. a liar. Sure. Sure. That's interesting, yeah. Well, that's like the yeah. the Joker thing, though, right? <laughs> yeah, the Joker from the <laughs> But that would have worked. I, yeah. Um, no, I agree with that, though. Yeah, both those points, actually. Either one of those would be fine. And, 
like you said, to set it up for a sequel because she could do a whole story, you know, a whole movie of her own about all her backstory. Right. Mm -hmm. So if, if you've tipped too much of your hat in this one, then you can't do it as a whole story. And maybe that's kind of where they ended up where it's like they needed to give away some of it. And maybe they gave away too much to kind of revisit it. But at the same time, not enough to make it satisfying. Yeah. Call exactly, the next movie yeah. new mutants inferno. <laughs> well it'll never happen because that that whole franchise is done it'll be interesting to see you know at some point obviously they'll they'll reboot the x-men they'll cast a whole bunch of new people it'll be interesting to see if they decide to delve into all of that subsequent uh, material and if they'll option like an x-men movie an x-factor movie a new mutants movie an x-force like use all of their uh, titles. I mean, probably eventually, as long as it's profitable, they will. <laughs> this movie is a perfect streaming show. Sure, like it's a it's perfect. This setup is perfect for a streaming show. Like you could bring all the characters in, and then you could have a whole episode that focused on magic. Yeah, you know what I mean, like they could all kind of get the time they need and string along, and then it's like perfect because it's like it could also be like the teen romance thing. You know, it could have all those angles that you need. You know, for like a TV show. You know what I mean? Did you guys ever watch? Um... Riverdale I've seen some of it I've heard that it's crazy it's uh I watched the first season it's 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 Archie but it's like it's like teen drama Twin Peaks Archie Twin Peaks meets Archie That's yeah and it's you know the first season was the second season got super long in the tooth and I just stopped watching but the first season was was fun and 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 because it was done in you know a eight or ten episode series you could you could get away with drawing things out so I don't know I I tend to agree that I'm 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 becoming a lot more of a, a of a eight episode TV show person than a movie person just because you've got so much time to to flesh things out. Um, and so yeah, I think this new mutants thing could have could have maybe worked a little bit better as an eight part television series. I don't know. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Disney you know make it a streaming. I mean, they just announced they're going to do like a hundred Marvel shows or whatever. They'll get to it. <laughs> sure, yeah. sure. It'll be a good fit. You know, for like that. ten Marvel shows and ten. Star Wars shows and it's just it's oh too much. yeah I heard like there's isn't there like some Yoda legends and Darth Vader legends or Lando yeah, legends was, yeah, exactly it's, yeah. everybody gets a legend yeah <laughs> I wasn't aware of like I knew that WandaVision is supposed to come out at some point but I, I'm not hip to like what the other Marvel shows are supposed to be but I guess as as they start filming stuff they're gonna fill Disney Plus with all that content right. Yeah, 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 and we're all gonna get sick of it fast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, well, man, this is a whoo wee. It's this is a long one. Uh, I feel like we touched everything. We didn't talk about the sixth character, the Doctor. I don't care about the Doctor, but go ahead, Scott. You do. Let me hear what you got okay. on the Doctor. I uh, I thought she was great. She was <laughs> a lot of fun. I thought the actress did a good job, and she was appropriately creepy. I love the scene when. Um, She's gonna, she's gonna kill Moonstar. She starts telling her about, yeah, this dog, and he had rabies, and you're like, uh huh. You know what I mean? Yeah, that was yeah. the that scene was the worst because it was like, why are you setting? Just kill her already. Oh, that <laughs> why, was are great. You, why are you giving her this ominous like, feeling? She's like, like, way to set somebody up to be killed. Uh, I agree with that. As far as, but you know, that's every movie, right? That's yeah, a, yeah, that's a true. Movie, you know. Yeah. So, but I thought it was funny because it was very creepy. You know, like it was appropriately creepy the way she's telling the story, and of course, you, the audience, know what exactly what's going to happen, you know, or what's going on, and you know, but it was fun. So, um, so I thought she, I thought she was good. I thought she did a good job. It's, it's a weird character, 
because you're never quite sure like what she's actually doing with these kids like they talk about their therapy and their stuff or whatever but it's like what is that you know like what it's weird you know yeah i i didn't know much i didn't know anything about coming into this movie so i stayed away from all of outside of that teaser trailer and i think i inadvertently watched kind of the next trailer which didn't really give things away and it kind of softened up the horror elements as i mentioned before but as i was watching the movie i was trying to figure out you know because the movie's like oh we're we're being trained to be x-men we're we're that's what that's why we're here and um i couldn't tell if they were trying to do like okay this woman's moira mctaggart and she's kind of like stewarding these kids through their x-men training yeah i was wondering if she was gonna be moira at first yeah i didn't know what the movie wanted me to think about her which was interesting because i'm like well somebody's got to be a bad guy <laughs> and and it's, it can't be like what happened at the beginning of the movie because that that wasn't interesting enough to be the bad guy and i guess ironically it turned out to be the bad guy but well there were two bad guys really from that I don't know. From that aspect, I, I thought she, she was fine and it, it, it all worked. It was interesting. I feel like pretty quickly, though, you realize like she's she's not, she's up to no good, right? Or maybe is that later on in the movie? If you're using your movie viewer eyes, you know right away that she's not copacetic. Yeah. Well, she's got the voice, man. That voice tells you like, okay, okay. This, is, this is trouble. But it, I mean, we start out with Danny like tied to her bed dragging her bed around the floor you know things aren't going to be good yeah 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 you're right actually from the first setup it's not like uh well in that place it's like creepy as all hell right you're like there's yeah. no way this is legit you know you, right you know? yeah um, i thought like maybe it was a laboratory on muir island and maybe that's i don't know maybe that's what you're supposed to think you know the thing is she is nice at times that's the thing about it she's nice at times so you're kind of like okay you know you kind of you know so so i I agree. I thought it was actually like, that's part of what I liked about that character and the way the actress played it. It was sort of appropriately ambiguous where you're sort of like, you know, you know that there's something wrong, you know, but like, you know, they didn't manage to interject like a little bit of doubt in there. Because I had the same thought about, um, you know, the woman from the X-Men now, I can't pronounce her name, Moria. Moira. Yeah. I thought, oh, maybe that's her. You know, maybe that's who this is. But then. You know, and then I think pretty quickly I snapped back to like, no, no, she's like the bad lady, you know. But then I thought, well, maybe she's that lady, but she got tricked into working for the bad people, or I don't know what, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. So, um, so you know, so I think as an, and as an antagonist, I thought she worked pretty well, you know. Yeah, I wish we could have seen like she's working for Nathaniel Essex, i.e., Mister Sinister. I, I, I guess we, I wish we could have gotten. They've been building up to it for so long. I guess we could. I wish we would have gotten either like a, a photo of him or, or, or his face on like a computer screen or uh, heck, even a cameo. But it wasn't to be. Well, I guess I thought it, I just thought it worked better that you didn't you didn't know you didn't have any idea. Like, you know, but I guess I didn't know about Mr. Sinister. So I was not sort of looking for that. You know what I mean? So I felt like it was sort of better that it's just like she's just like working for like creepy corp. It would have been unnecessary. It would have been, I think, more fan service than anything else. I guess it could have come somewhere. The final memo could have been like signed Mr. Sinister. You know? <laughs> she was the best actress in the movie, I think, um, or actor slash actress. She was the best performer. Hmm. I didn't Talent think it, wise. I would say I didn't. I thought that actually everyone did a pretty OK job. 
Um, Everybody was touch and go. I think I, I agree with you. Overall, people did a did a solid job. I think it was just in the beginning, the first half hour, where it seemed like people were going in and out of their characters as though mm. those were like the early earlier film scenes. Yeah, right. But honestly, I don't know. That's interesting. I remember thinking they weren't very likable in the early part. So maybe that's part of it. You know, for me, maybe that's what I was reacting to. I don't know. And, and 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 I remember in the first half hour, I was thinking like, wow, these are all not very good actors. But by the end of the movie, I was like, okay, most of them sold their performances to me. So I was, I was turned, uh, I accepted them by the end. Yeah, there was nobody, no actor in the movie that I was down on or I thought they all did a fine job. All things considered. This has been All Things Considered with Jeremy. <laughs> so, uh, do we want to do ratings? Like, rate all of the X-Men franchise movies. Have you seen all the X-Men franchise movies, Scott? No. Oh, my god! I didn't see that one you were talking about, Apocalypse. I didn't see that one. There's 13 of these movies. I, I, don't, know if I, could, <laughs> I don't know if I could do a 1 through 13 on Can this franchise. Can you even name all 13 of them? Let me try. Um, X-Men. X-Men 2. X-Men 3, ooh, this is where it gets hard. Uh, I'm going to go to Deadpool, Deadpool 2, even though I know chronologically that's wrong. X-Men Origins, uh, Wolverine, First Class, The Apocalypse Movie, Days of Future Past, New Mutants, so I'm missing three. Um, oh, there was a, another Wolverine. There was The Wolverine, so that's 11. Uh, da -da 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 -da. What am I missing? You're missing a Wolverine movie and an X-Men movie. There was three Wolverine movies? Yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs> that you don't know that. Oh, Logan. Okay, Logan's number 12. Uh, and I'm missing an X-Men movie. Um, it was the most recent X-Men movie. Apocalypse? I said Apocalypse. It came out last year. Oh, oh my gosh. The Phoenix movie. Dark, yeah. like dark. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. All right. Wow. Well, I got, I got 10 without clues. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, man, I don't know. Um... Just top three. No, let me let let's uh, if we can let's let's put this um, let's try to put this movie like between a couple of movies. Um, I can't go through all thirteen. That's too hard. I didn't, I'd have to write that down and think. It's too late for that. Um, <laughs> worse than this for me, uh, X Men Origins Wolverine for sure is worse than this. X Men Three was worse than this. Apocalypse. I'm gonna put me. Apocalypse as worse than this. Dark Phoenix is worse than this. Yeah. So so it's 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 uh bottom five. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even include the Deadpools. I like the dot I like the Deadpool. I, I like them too, but they're kind of like their own thing. Yeah. Scott of the of the X Men franchise movies that you recall, like what what do you put below this movie, and maybe what do you put like just above this movie, if you can even recall? Um, I know X Two is the one I usually think of as my favorite. Sure, uh, I probably would put the first one ahead of that. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, ahead of this. Mm -hmm. S might be my number three. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Fair enough. I mean, you know. They really blur together at the end after that, you know. Um, it is a little unfair in that this is not a blockbuster superhero movie. You know, as previously discussed, right? It's not a blockbuster superhero movie. Um, you know, and, and for that, I guess I like it. You know what I mean? Um, sure. 
That does not work in the favor of X-Men Apocalypse or X-Men Dark Phoenix. Nope, not at all. Are those not blockbuster superhero movies? They are blockbuster superhero movies, but they are not good. Oh, right. No, I just I didn't see those ones anyway, so you should definitely go see them. (laughs) I don't know that I can recommend that Scott see those. I can recommend anything. (laughs) Sure. You recommended the Greasy Strangler. I I stand by that recommendation. Um, you know, this movie, like, uh, it's just like a lot of them, there's like, you know, the superhero movies, there wasn't these climactic endings where they all just sort of fight. And I feel like I always walk away. Like, I'm not really sure why they won. You know? There's always a big bad guy at the end. And that is usually the least interesting part of the movie. I think it's always like, yeah, it's sort of like they fight and then it's just not telegraphed to me clearly enough. Like, who's winning the fight and why and what they do to win the fight, you know? Um, but you know me, I see, I'm always hung up on the teamwork thing. And the one movie that I like in that regard is the first fantastic four movie, <laughs> the old Fox one. Yeah. With, uh, Captain America as the human torch, because at the end, that is how they beat Dr. Doom. They use goofy teamwork. I mean, I think it's teamwork. That's lifted like the, the technique they use might be lifted straight from a Stan Lee comic. I mean, it certainly feels Probably. like it. It's like kind of cornball. Mm-hmm. But like when you watch it, you're like, I understand what's happening. I understand how the heroes are overcoming this challenge, you know. And I, I think too many times in the superhero movies at the end, it's just sort of like powers against powers. And they all have infinite powers. And so they just push each other around with their powers. And, you know, it, it just feels like kind of like the action gets to be meaningless at some point because they can't. You know, they can't be like any one character can't be like badass enough to beat up the bad guy or the movie will be over. You know, I honestly outside of them defeating the bear, I don't really remember like what the final scene of the movie is. So can, can somebody tell me what that was? Um, I just watched it yesterday and I barely remember it. <laughs> I believe there is a, there's a quote. It's a powerful quote. It's it's like one of those classic. Uh, I think it's a Cherokee quote about oh. how. Your your inner bear, you have you have two inner bears. You have the good inner bear and the bad inner bear. And which one wins is the one that you feed. Mm, Something that's like right. That. Yeah, yeah. And okay. it ends with that quote, just like it begins with a, a quote, which I don't quite recall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That quote, I remember that at the end of the movie. And then it doesn't, it rings hollow because I don't recall a Moonstar ever struggling with that the entire movie. You know, like. Maybe you'd describe that to magic, you know what I mean? And mm. maybe some of the other kickers, but not her. Like, like at what point was she feeding the bad bear, you know? And then at what point at the end did she decide, like, ah, bad bear, you get out of here. I'm down with the good bear now. Like, that, I didn't ever see that struggle in the entire movie, you know what I mean? So Yeah, it was more like, that's a cool quote. Let's put it in the movie. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, and I got on a rant there, I guess, about <laughs> Super movies. But I mean, it's like. I literally, those, those later ones, I'm like, I don't remember. I just remember that's the way I always walk out of them. I was like, oh, I was kind of cool, you know? Yeah. So that's why this one could be my number three, because it's at least, even though the ending is the same thing, <laughs> at least the rest of the part in the middle is like creepy and different from the others, you know? Yeah. I think, I think we can all probably respect the attempt to do, uh, uh, affect essentially the first horror superhero movie. Is that accurate? Probably yeah. not, but yeah. the first, uh, the Marvel. first Marvel universe horror. Yeah. We'll go with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hedge our bets on that one. Okay, well. All right, so I guess I guess we're good. <laughs> is everybody is everybody good? Um, that's gotta be everything. I'm good. I <laughs> I don't got anything else to. to How's say. your temperature there, Scott? Are you yeah, are you frozen? We, we haven't really we're checked doing all right. in. We're doing all right. 
right. Uh, yeah, let me take a look here. What's uh, Steve Jobs? I'm 23, so it's oh. only dropped one degree. Okay, okay. Three hours of venue, so that's pretty good. Um, All right, well, you you get on inside, and we'll we'll wrap her up here. Uh, until next time, my name's Adam. My name's Jeremy. My name's Scott. <laughs> and the danger room is closed. <laughs>